0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone out there. Happy noon beers. <laughs> Hope you're having a great day, night, whenever you listen to this. We have another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. If you're new to this podcast, it's a show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, provide you with reviews over shows from this last week, and preview pay-per-views to come. And there is a forbidden door That is about to be open. I'm not sure if the doorknob is missing to it, but hey, it's about to be open this weekend, and we have a lot to say recording on a Saturday before it comes out this Sunday night. So strap up, enjoy yourselves. But I could not do this show without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing? How was your week? All that
0: stuff. Doing great, man. I actually had last week off, so it was very relaxing. I didn't do very much of anything except watch TV and uh, play video games and watch wrestling, and uh, so it was actually great. Very, very nice, relaxing week. Stay, staycation, as the kids would say, I guess. But um, how was your week, buddy? How, how how's everything on your end?
1: Good week, you know. Um, didn't do too much. Uh, just a pretty good work week other than the heat index in our fucking warehouse, but can't complain too much. And, um, caught up on some television. The boys is still amazing. If anyone was wondering, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi was kind of like a wet fart for being able to have a fucking show that is a sequel to the prequels and getting, you know, and McGregor back only to kind of have a half-ass fucking season. So Thanks, Disney+. Plus. I think you're starting to prove that, uh, you know, Mandalorian was great and uh, WandaVision was great. But uh, everything followed up kind of has been pretty mediocre or has been set up good and then ended poorly. Uh, might be the yeah. short amount of episodes, in my opinion.
0: Oh, that sucks. I, I was looking forward to checking out Obi-Wan, but now I'm kind of now now I'm a little worried to watch it. Uh, I checked out. A- Chris- that it's 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 good.
1: A lot of the stuff with Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi are great. They have uh, an actress playing young Princess Leia. She's awesome in it. There was just a lot of extra backstory or side side plot stuff that did not need to be there, and uh, lack of music that they could have used, like you know duels of the fate or uh, the Imperial March. I don't know why they didn't. And Hugh McGregor was great. Um, there's a lot to like about it and a lot to be like,
0: really? You had a
1: chance to do this, you know, kind of like Boba Fett.
0: I'll probably still check it out. I know my nieces really enjoyed it. They've been watching all of the star Wars stuff as it comes out. So they've been, uh, most of the reason I've kept up with anything new star Wars related is just talking to them about it. But, uh, yeah, I watched righteous Gemstones, which is a fucking incredible show. Danny McBride just can, Continuously knocks it out of the park whenever he writes something. But that's a a really wonderful show. It's it's kind of, I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but it's like basically about a Jimmy Swaggerty type family <laughs> in religion. But it's got like very, almost like mob stories kind of going on within the plot line. Um, I watched that and I rewatched all of Eastbound and Down. So those were my two big... Outside of wrestling and hockey, obviously the Stanley Cup's going on, so I've been watching that and uh, and professional wrestling, and that's been kind of the majority of what I watched and uh, playing video games. Like I said, I, I played a, a Way Out with one of my friends, which is a really fun game if you like co-op movie-type story games. It's one I highly recommend that you can play with a friend, and it's just a ton of fucking fun. And uh, played some MLB 22 and... Started replaying Yakuza Zero, but I haven't gotten that far back into that game. But it's uh, also incredible,
1: Chris. I'll give you one chance to guess the video game that I primarily played uh this last week.
0: WWE 20 tw- or is it 22? You got it. Talk- <laughs> yeah. And let me just say, I've
1: realized,
0: and I've been putting
1: it off. When I get to um, GM mode, I'm gonna probably never leave my room um, and just play that non-stop. I've been literally holding back because I know that I'm gonna uh, get a little crazy in that, but hey, my roster, it goes deep, Chris. I have people like uh, Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt, and then <laughs> I also have, like, the whole fucking AEW roster. Uh, they did a great job with this game, and the people that create these characters Holy shit, I have an old-school Madison Square Garden arena that's black and white, so it's perfect for a lot of those older wrestlers like Lou Fez and whatnot. And um, I'm having I'm having a blast, man, so I can't wait to make all of them fill up two rosters of shows, and then, you know, I don't know. It's going to be craziness.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've heard me. I don't know if I buried the game on the show or not, but there's two separate versions of this game. There is a high-quality Xbox... S Xbox One X version, a 4K version essentially, and then a standard version. Well, I bought the higher end version of this game, and then was immediately unable to play it with a couple of my friends who had the standard edition. And I believe you have the standard edition as well. So I had to get a refund from Xbox, which took two weeks. and then finally, once they did that, I rebought the game and downloaded it. But I have yet to actually play it because the couple times I went to play it. Uh, I was incompatible with the other people (laughs) that I would normally play this game with, but I do look forward to it. And I know I've heard really good things about the GM mode. And uh, as far as the character creation, like we talked about before the game come out, it's really cool that they opened that up so that it's cross platform. So you're getting creations from multiple different communities, which is, which is pretty great, whether it's PlayStation or PC or Xbox, that's a, that was a great added touch. So I'm sure there's even, more shit out there than in the previous games simply because of that. The the community's way larger.
1: Absolutely. And uh I I just think it's a lot of fun. I, I think you'll like it. Uh when you first do it, do the um what what the hell is it? Like the training mode. It's not that long and it kind of shows you how to do everything that's very close to the last controls. But essentially this game is much more of a button masher. Like, you don't have to fucking know everything, but learn the basics and the matches play out a hell of a lot easier, I feel like, than the past games where I got used to it after time. But kind of like the UFC games uh, from EA back in the day, if you weren't super technical learning all the controls, then, you know, you're not going to have the greatest time where this is more, I think, presented for people that just want to be able to play it and not have to worry too much about it. But still, like I said, do the training mode with Drew Gulak at the beginning of the game to show you the basics. Yes, Drew Gulak is the one who does that. It's uh, pretty amazing. He's a great coach.
0: So I I did play through the – I had to play through that before it would let me try to create a game with other people. So I did play through that and I actually really prefer these controls in comparison to the previous games, which the only time I spent really playing those was with you. And I, as you know, from me bitching about it, the shit's overcomplicated. It's fucking wrestling game. (laughs) But
2: absolutely, Uh, I just seem
0: that
1: goes to a a lockup uh, when you grapple. I think that's a very good um, thing that makes sense. The matches look real, which is great. That's
0: the whole point. Right yeah this one this one seems like it's a good in between of like a smackdown you know smackdown 2 type game and what they've been trying to do with more of a simulation based game but like i said i've only i did the training mode i downloaded some characters then i tried to uh tried to start some games with friends and if you like i said just a heads up to anyone out there ordering it if you're planning on playing this with other people and they are maybe on the last gen of an Xbox or PlayStation. Uh, you may want to make sure that you're purchasing the same versions, or you can run into this problem. Absolutely.
1: Also, for television, um, besides what we were talking about, I have been, This actually this 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 runs into a uh, podcast I'm going to be starting, so I'm going to set it up. Uh, you know, I've been on a quest to find out between my two favorite picks. Between Anthony Starr, from, from who plays Homelander on The Boys, and also plays in Banshee. And then Jared Kesso, who is from Letterkenny in 1902, a crime show he did before that. And Shorzy, uh, who would be the best Wolverine? And, um, you know, uh, both shows I've been watching 1902, which you can find it on the Acorn app, which is Canada's uh, premier downloadable uh, platform for their television shows. Um, and also i've been watching banshee on hbo max uh both shows definitely would recommend it um either one 192 is much more gritty uh crime show very akin i will say now that i'm almost that i'm on the third season very akin to the wire for going places that cop shows usually don't have the balls to go um Kesto is amazing in it he's not just you know the the goofy character that he plays on letterkenny um, shows a lot of range, uh, so I definitely recommend it. But they really go, they go, they go to places like school shootings and cops, you know, shooting civilians and stuff like that, like really in-depth stuff back in 2016. And uh, definitely recommend that. Uh, but like I said, it's it's a much more, it's it's got some dark shit in it. You know, it's got some really fucked up stuff that happens on it. But also Banshee, incredible show gives me it's a modern western for sure about a guy that gets out of jail takes the identity of a sheriff in a small town in uh pennsylvania where you have a lot of uh you have a native american reserve and you also have uh the um oh man what are they called basically pilgrims but modern age um uh pilgrims uh god i can't remember but doesn't matter um But basically, the show is he takes the position of sheriff, even though he is definitely not the person he's pretending to be. And uh, incredible performance from Anthony Starr on the show. And there's dogs barking in the background. But just definitely recommend that. Um, Chris, dude, you got to check out Banshee. It gives me vibes of Daredevil on Netflix. It gives me vibes of Dexter. Uh, But it's a modern Western. I think that you would love the show uh it's it's really good
0: and which streaming platform is that on is that on the cock or on the netflix (laughs) hbo (laughs) max sir okay cool yeah then i'll definitely check it out i've been uh rotating the streaming channels since there's what feels like five fucking thousand of them at this point um but yeah that sounds awesome i'll definitely give that a watch
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Anthony Starr's known for Homelander, but he's stated in the past he wants to play Wolverine. That's kind of the reason why I went into this venture, trying to find uh, who would be best. And even though he's from New Zealand, I have picked Anthony Starr as my Wolverine. Uh, Jared Kesso should play a character that probably a lot of people don't know, uh, called uh, Major Maple Leaf. He is like the Captain America of Canada. And a part of the Alpha Flight, along with Guardian and Sasquatch and Puck and a lot of those other characters. So that's what I came to. The reason why I'm saying this, guys, is this announcement. I'm going to be starting a new fan casting show uh, coming up soon. In which me and my good buddy, uh, Abe Greer, uh, we're going to be basically going over fan casting different things on a show. He's got um, an awesome channel uh, online that you guys should definitely check out. Called Hyper Entertainment. I would definitely, you know, like I said, I would definitely recommend it. And uh, we're gonna basically take anything. It's not just superheroes. We might be doing a superhero show. Then we might be doing a music biopic, uh, using either hip hop or rap- rock stars or any type of historical figure. We're we're gonna get in depth with this because I love uh, doing these fan casts. We've talked about it, and uh, it's a lot of fun to pick great actors based on their performances in the past and applying it towards a character or a real life historical figure, uh, and, 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 you know, going in depth of what you could do, what director. So look for that. I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to name it. It'll probably be something stupid though. Not as clever as wrestling geeks Alliance, Chris.
0: (laughs) I always enjoy your fan cast. We kind of talked about it a little bit last week. I definitely will recommend everyone if you're into fan casting and, and, just hearing someone talk about actors, Jane does a really great job with that stuff, so everyone check that show out. I'm terrible at it, so listeners out there, don't expect me to be guesting on <laughs> any of these. I, I just have a terrible time with uh, remembering actors' names, et cetera. So, uh, but I'm sure it'll be really great, and I, I can't wait to listen to it, buddy. Thanks, man.
1: I, I appreciate that. I've been called the human IMDb, and... Uh... I guess that's good for something. So hopefully we can apply that type of knowledge and uh, have some fun with me and Abe when we do this show. But uh, look for that in the future. Like I said, once I know more details, I will announce it on this show. But let's get into some wrestling news. We don't have a lot, uh, but I definitely want to talk about something that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Um, so Pro Wrestler Page. Uh... I can't remember how exactly to pronounce her name. Is it Sar... Saria? You know, I watched the damn movie, too. Um, excellent film, if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, you know, Florence Pugh does a great job playing her. But um, that's what she's now known as. She really can't use the name Paige. And she even admitted that's going to be one of the hardest things to lose. You know, you go from getting this name that's not yours, and it's like, what the fuck? But then when you get towards your career and everyone knows you for that, it's definitely going to be weird. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I told you, uh, you know, she's done. She was on somewhat of a Legends contract, but still supposed to be a performer or whatnot. Uh, they kind of just kept on dodging her ideas for a long period of time. They definitely got mad at her uh, with the Twitch stuff. And uh, her stance on that, because she was making, I think, more money with Twitch than she was on the Legends deal that she had with WWE. And, uh, you know, we we all know what's happening with that whole thing. Fucking stupid. Um, so she still has Twitch, but she still really wants to be a part of wrestling. And her last thing that she kind of brought up to WWE is she, she knows Ronda Rousey. She's friends with her. And they... I apparently talked about the idea of her being Rhonda's mouthpiece between the two of them. And they like this idea. Cause let's, let's face it. Ronda's actually, she, when she gets in the ring and she has a good match, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's based on the amount of, um, time she's had in the ring. It's pretty impressive, but she fucking can't cut a scripted promo worth of shit because she's never been a good actress. And with the idea of Paige helping her out, that seemed like that could have been, you know, kind of like a Paul Heyman, like a female Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar pairing. But WWE liked the idea apparently and then shortly shot her down. So now Paige runs out on her contract and she still wants to do something in wrestling. I've heard rumors she wants to get back in the ring, which I think is a terrible idea based on the last, you know, um, the, the final thing that, you know, I was about to say broke the camel's back, but literally has to do with Paige's fucking back of taking that minor spot from Sasha at that house show and just completely fucking going limp on the floor and not being able to feel, you know, parts of her body. Uh, but when it comes to a creative mind and also potentially someone that could really be, you know, a, a, an awesome female manager, um, unless she's had. Surgeries are or, or gone through the process and can get cleared. I'm kind of scared still on that concept. But Paige, uh, done with WWE, Chris, uh, offered an idea to be the mouthpiece for Ronda Rousey. That was kind of humored, turned down. But now uh, Saraya, uh, as now she's going to be known, to be coming back and wrestling
0: in a different form. What do you think about all this? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that she could do in the wrestling business. Uh, I mean, e- even if she wasn't a performer, uh, she still got a great mind. I think AEW could really use a female wrestler that reached the top level like Paige just booking-wise and kind of coming up with ideas and maybe just talking through things. I mean, she comes from a wrestling family of trainers in school and uh, started wrestling when she was, what, like 14 or some shit? So I think, you know, e- even if as just someone to fly into TV and, and maybe talk through some matches with people like a, a road agent type job, I think that she she would be great for that. And I don't know why WWE didn't try to utilize her in that role unless she just didn't want to do it, because I think that's maybe where she could shine at this point in her career. And it would still allow her to do, you know, her Twitch streaming and and. Involvement with AEW would be good for them as well because now they can use her on their second AEW channel, which is all video game related type content, uh, similar to Up Up Down Down, which is basically WWE's response, even though it was started by uh, Austin Creed. But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that I think she could do in the wrestling business. A manager position wouldn't be a bad idea. I just don't know who you would have her manage and where at this point. It would have been great with Rhonda, like you said. Uh, I will give Ronda Rousey props for the promo she cut last night on SmackDown, even though she basically just fucking buried <laughs> Natalia. But it was more of what I would expect from Ronda Rousey just based on her actual personality versus what they've been giving her scripted-wise in the past. So I don't know if Paul Heyman had his hands in that or Jeff Jarrett had his hands in that, but it did come off more uh, natural for Ronda but yeah, I think that would have been a great idea. And and I think the cut, like, you know, the real issue here is that she's one of the people that stood up against uh, not being able to stream on Twitch. And WWE basically wanting a piece of that pie, a, a, p- a percentage of whatever their performers did on Twitch. And I guess that extended to her, even though she's on a Legends deal. And she, it was, I think what he was what her, uh, AJ Styles, I think Adam Cole and Seth Rollins were a few that kind of really spoke out against it. And then we just didn't hear anything else about it. So I don't know where that ended up. Uh, but, you know, AEW seems to have embraced the Twitch idea. And if, even if she's not a wrestler, like I said, you could use her as a, a great mind in the back. And it seems kind of like the perfect fit for her, because even if she's not able to, even if you don't have anything for her to do on TV, you can still utilize her on your YouTube channel. And she can talk about wrestling and play games with, fucking uh evil uno and all those cats i think there's there's a good that's that would be a good landing spot for Paige. but uh as far as her wrestling again um i dude i I didn't think christian was ever going to wrestle again edge was ever going to wrestle again daniel bryan was ever going to wrestle again so at this point i'm just not going to say shit about that anymore (laughs) as far as people coming out of retirement um maybe there's like stem cell uh, <laughs> research stuff that she went and did in Mexico or she, maybe she's living in a hyperbolic chamber or some shit. At this point, it's so hard to uh, keep up with these wrestlers coming back from what we used to think was career-ending injuries at this point. If she has done stuff
1: uh, you know, to excel her and her body to be able to position herself back with wrestling, you're absolutely right. And there is a lot of treatments and she is extremely young still. But I think that both of us will agree basically on what you said she is uh, and what I said before that she is definitely someone that could provide a lot of knowledge and and, and you know just bring something to the table wherever she goes uh, whether it be a manager, whether it be um, you know someone as a backstage producer, uh, someone that represents the company um, or potentially if she wants to get back from the ring if she can, And she's cleared. We'll have to see from that. Now, the counterpoint is, we're going to talk about it later, Brian Danielson. Y'all love him. Um, And, uh, you know, we didn't really find out. You know, he said he was healthy. He can read five million pages in a minute, whatever the fuck, uh, run three miles without a sweat. But it was never addressed the fact that he got a concussion uh, during the last pay-per-view and was able to fly to go to a signing, and then weeks later they finally announce he's not going to be a part of something, that still makes me extremely nervous. And it's going to be like that with Edge. It's going to be like that with Christian. It's going to be like that with anyone who comes back from something that should have been their last. So, you know, here's the page. I hope she's great, and I hope that Brian Danielson's fine, and I'm going to believe him from what he says. But all that stuff will still be in the back of every wrestling fan's head if any of those people get back in the ring, I think,
0: every time. Right. Yeah. And with, with Paige, like we were saying, I mean, there's like, there's tons of stuff that she can, she can do in the wrestling business without actually wrestling. And, uh, you know, she's done it in the past, but AEW needs a GM type figure. Maybe she could slot into something like that. Uh, that, I think that could be pretty cool. Uh, I, they're in need of it just because the fucking rules don't make sense, and they fucking. we'll talk about that later when we get to uh, the Ring of Honor TV title match with Samoa Joe and uh, the way Jay Lethal called him out to be stripped for the title versus uh, what's going on in their heavyweight fucking title picture of interim champion. So we will definitely... Uh, <laughs> Hit on that but uh, if they had someone that could explain that kind of shit like a general manager of some sorts maybe she could do something like that uh in the wrestling business even if there wasn't a spot for her being a manager because like i said she's done that in the past but uh great mind for wrestling i mean just it's her and aj lee to me are the actual the real women's <laughs> revolution like they kind of drug what the divas division was out of the goddamn dark ages to lead to the four horsewomen. So, you know, great mind, really, really good fucking worker. And I, you know, I would love to see more of Paige. I've tuned into her Twitch stream. Um, my only problem with that is Twitch is supposed to be for fucking video games. And every time I watch page, she's just answering fan questions. So it's more like an ask me anything type type stream rather than her actually playing video games.
1: What you're you're saying that people on Twitch might not actually play video games? Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Have you
1: been or or on Twitter um, where all of them are avid streamers? Not saying that for page, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, just kidding. I mean, yeah, but uh, I mean,
0: do you? But like on when I tune into Twitch, I'm watching people play fucking video games, not answer yeah. questions.
1: Um, and uh, kind of going with the topic of wrestlers that you're worried to get back in the ring. Whew. All right. So the Nature Boy.
2: Woo!
1: Um, he is going to be having his last match on July 31st. This is the weekend of SummerSlam in Nashville. Originally, it was at the Nashville Fairgrounds, but they were realizing that they were selling out at such a max capacity that they actually had to move it to the municipal auditorium, so that's a much bigger venue, and apparently they're doing great with seats. And this is before, besides the main event, we don't even really technically know the participant that that replaced Ricky Steamboat. Um, that's just based on Rick Flair and his name, but Rick did announce some matches. First of all, he said that uh, the card itself will feature. Uh, a top New Japan star, so I don't know who that is, but that's what he said. But also, um, MLW's past world champion, Jacob Fatu, will be going against uh, one of my favorites, uh, Josh Alexander, the Impact champion for the championship belts. Uh, We also have a grudge match, even though it doesn't really make sense, the storyline, because Eddie Edwards and... And we'll be talking about that soon. And Dave, Davey Richards are at odds. But they'll be going against Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. So we're getting the Wolves or the American Wolves, whatever, against Motor City Machine Guns one last time. And, uh, you know, straight up, this just got announced. Uh, for the Impact Knockouts Championship, we will be having Jordan Grace, Rachel Ellering, and Deanna Perrazzo in a three-way match for that belt. So it looks like MLW, you know, it looks like Impact, New Japan, they're all providing superstars for this last big event for Mr. Rick Flair and Nature Boy. He will be teaming up with FTR. Technical, yeah, that's right. AEW also is involved too. Um and he's going against the Rock and Roll Express. He was supposed to be going against Steamboat. He declined. They were trying to find a replacement and that was pretty obvious. People actually fucking bought into it. But on the last podcast with Conrad Thompson, Rick Flair kind of set up that him and Jay Lethal are at odds all of a sudden, because he was supposed to show up on a show about the two of them. And uh, he no showed. And Rick said that he was just pissed because Rick had no control over it. And he wanted to be a part of the card. And Rick told him, sorry, that's not going to happen. But kind of started calling him out and kind of ran a promo on him. So it's, I I, I think it's 100% Jay Lethal, Rock and Roll Express, Ric Flair, FTR, and Rick's last match. And also, it's funny, but it's also extremely aggressive. Check out Ric Flair's promo, uh, kind of talking about people that don't think he he should be doing this match, and just in general, it's on Twitter. Uh, Pretty good setup, but there's also going to be, first, a podcast with the, like, a Horseman reunion. That will have Arne Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Ole Anderson uh, decided he didn't want to be a part of it, but he was invited. Weird. Uh, Barry Windham, um, and I believe Lex Luger, and I think there was one more person, maybe Dean Malenko, all a part of the panel, one podcast, and a roast of Ric Flair that originally Mike Tyson was supposed to go to, but he had declined because of another uh, – uh, thing that he agreed to that unfortunately kind of screwed it up, but uh, there's gonna be a lot of celebrities, athletes to roast Mr. Ric Flair. So I'm looking forward to this. Of course, I'm still worried about Ric, but the card's coming out. It seems pretty strong, and uh, it seems like a lot of promotions AEW, MLW, TNA Impact, New Japan are all gonna be involved in this, and it's gonna be one last night of Rick Flair doing Rick Flair and from what he says, Chris, this is it. But, you know, if he does decent in the ring and everything's great, who knows what the fuck's going to happen. But how do you feel about this? Are you interested in purchasing this? Uh, the the pay-per-view itself is going to be, like, I think 25 $30. So it's really not that bad. And if you want to get a package and be able to watch everything, it's close to 100, but they have multiple podcasts and whatnot. I'm not going to do that, but I will end up watching the roast, I promise you that, and the the, uh, Horseman panel. But I definitely think that WrestleMania weekend, I will be checking out Ric Flair's last match at the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville. And I'm happy that they were going to do it old school at the Gardens, and they just had too many tickets, and they had to put it in a much bigger venue, so... That says a lot about Ric Flair and uh, him proclaiming the end of his career that he's done now twice beforehand, once against Sting in TNA and once against Shawn Michaels in WWE. But uh, how
0: do you feel about an H?
2: Woo! Woo! I,
0: I think it's cool that he's doing one last match. I mean, it's a little scary considering the man died and came back to life, basically, but... You know, Rick said he's never going to fucking retire. So he, I'm not surprised that he's going to go out there and try to have one last match. From everything we've heard from Jay Lethal and when he was doing those trainings, I'm assuming he's going to take four or five bumps and be kind of done. I think it's cool that the Rock and Roll Express is going to be there. We've heard that this is kind of their last hurrah tour this year as well. So it would have been cool for Ricky Steamboat to be there it's i get the reasoning why he doesn't want to do it um and that's fine i think jay lethal is a is a is a fine substitute for that if they if that's what they're going with which is kind of what we predicted just because that's who rick has been training with so he's going to feel most comfortable working those spots against jay would be my guess um the rest of the match is just going to be heavily carried by fucking ftr <laughs> that's that's the reality of that but uh, the rest of that card, man, it's shaping up to be pretty good. I mean, the American Wolves versus Motor City Machine Guns, fuck yeah. I'm down to watch that. I think some of the stuff, um, Jacob Fatu versus Josh Alexander, that should be a great match. That'll be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, just watching all of these cats on the undercard is going to be really what would make me tune into that pay-per-view, especially at the price point. If the price point is 25 bucks, that's... 25 bucks to see another American Wolves and Motor City Machine Guns match by itself in a long format. Uh it's probably or even the new one.
1: With with uh Jordan Grace, the uh the knockouts champion going against Rachel Ellering and fucking Deanna in on the three-way. That's it's another badass match, man.
0: Yeah, there, there's some really good shit on that card. So just even if you took Ric Flair out of it, I mean that's to me, that's worth the 25 bucks just to tune in and watch it, especially on the heels of Slammiversary, Uh, Which we'll get into with uh, Josh Alexander getting a big win as well as uh, Jordan Grace getting a big win. So that plays into it as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I probably will purchase the entire weekend because I know with the StarCast stuff, you kind of get to keep it forever. So if if they're going to do that full... I know a lot of the star cast in the past, they're like almost eight hour broadcast for each day. So if you're a big wrestling fan, I'm sure there'll be a whole lot of fucking content to consume um, for that. So I'll have to look into the pricing on that. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're having a crazy weekend and I don't know if take is Taker going to be there during this weekend because I know that he is going to be doing his first ever like storyteller type show in Nashville as well around the same time, because they talked about that on SmackDown. On Friday,
1: do you think that Taker might be a part of the roast? I,
0: I wonder. Uh, you know, that's why I was kind of curious because it sounds like he's going to be in town for part of this. I don't know the exact dates, but he's doing some shows in Nashville at the Wild Horse, um, kind of like an A and A. His, I guess, what's going to be his new thing, which is just from what they said on SmackDown, is basically going to be his Hall of Fame speech, just more in detail about his career. Uh, storytelling type thing which sounds pretty cool um Hell yeah but you know him being there it's like well is is fucking Taker going to be in a match or or whatever um i don't think so but i could definitely see him on the roast and maybe showing up on a couple of the podcasts and stuff if he's going to be hanging out in nashville around that time
1: all right two questions to end this are you looking more forward to watching the Especially since we know, know that, beforehand at least, and I don't know if Conrad, since he's friends with both of them, obviously Rick Flair is his father-in-law, is married to one of his daughters, not Charlotte, um, Megan. Uh, but are you looking more forward to the four horsemen? Or, well, horsemen, because there's going to be multiple horsemen. That reunion panel, especially since Arn, like I said, has been at odds in the past with Rick. I hope that Conrad did kind of he's the one who's in control of all this shit so i'm hoping that maybe he amended whatever problems were in the past are you looking more forward to that or the roast and the second question rick announced top new japan star will be a part of this who could you see as that person to be a part of the event SummerSlam weekend
0: Well, he said top New Japan star being part of the... Is it going to be part of StarCast or just part of one of the matches?
1: One of the matches.
0: Okay. So, I mean, that could be... uh, Originally, I would have said fucking probably Ishii just because he's been doing so much here, but he's hurt, Um, which is why he he got replaced on Forbidden Door. Um, So...
2: Jay White? Yeah.
1: Definitely. I could see that it's just great that uh conrad and and uh you know what sucks i I hope triple h is at the fucking roast i hope that wwe allows a couple people to be a part of it like we said taker but uh new japan um you know it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh at this specifically you know with one of their stars jay white would be a great name i don't know if they would Fucking bring in a Tanahashi or a Kazuchika Okada, but I'm sure they both have respect for the Nature Boy as well. So we'll have to see, but it's a it's it's going to be a fun event, um, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, yeah. and uh, personally, to me, the roast is going to be fun, especially if they actually have some really good names there. It sucks that Tyson kind of had to pull out because of a uh, conflicting schedule. But he was supposed to originally be at it. He's good friends with Ric Flair, but multi you know, Rick said like lots of athletes are going to be there, wrestlers, celebrities. So he's apparently friends with everyone. We'll see. But I'm actually more looking forward to the the for, the Horsemen uh, podcast. But
0: I don't know the New Japan star.
1: I think Jay White's a good uh, a good choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless they're gonna unless they're gonna go with like a legend, they're gonna bring in like a Jushin Thunder Liger or something. Um, to do it, which I could see that. Tony
1: Noki, Ric Flair's good friend, is gonna have his last match at the show. <laughs> Actually, you know it would be great, honestly. And I know that he's still done stuff, but if they have Fujinami out there, because him and Rick good friends and great rivals uh, back in the day. I know he's old as fuck though. So
0: yeah, I mean when you're when when they just simply say major New Japan star, it could be absolutely anyone. The only reason I would hesitate on who it's gonna be is isn't the G one gonna be starting up right as this is happening
1: the end of july
0: yeah pretty much <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't know who they would be able to get because like a lot of the fucking top guys are in the g1 this year i think but, i figured
1: it out man um it might it might be misleading because he's a part of uh um professor uh, noah over in japan not really a part of new japan anymore but we heard that keiji muto who's really good friends. Ric Flair also has had a great rivalry with him in the past in the 80s. Uh, He only has a couple more matches. Maybe he's going to be on this card against someone. And they're just promoting it as a New Japan star because obviously he did most of his work in New Japan. So
0: that could be someone. That would be awesome because it would be the last opportunity as an American fan unless you're going to go to Japan to see Keiji Muto have a match. Yep, because I, I, you know, at this point in his career, I do actually believe he's what had two hip replacements. His knees are fucked. Surgery, man. so Hit
1: you
2: know.
0: Um, but it, you know, if that's the case, they should be promoting it heavily and not just say a massive New Japan star. Just fucking tell us it's Muda. <laughs> that way everyone would have a chance To find a way to get to Nashville If you're a huge Muda fan That that would actually make me fucking want to Buy a ticket and drive up and see it Just because I, I don't think there would be another time um, Where I would you know Ever have a chance to see him Because I'm definitely not flying to Japan anytime soon so, um, You get would- to see
1: Rick Flair's last match And one of Muda's last match in the United States That's pretty fucking awesome Plus all the other matches themselves Yeah,
0: I've been blessed enough to have seen multiple flair matches simply because of WCW growing up and living where they ran Atlanta a ton. So uh, but Muda, I don't I've never seen one of his matches in person. So that would be that would be like a huge deal for me. If, if it was him, but you know, I'm not going to go on a whim and then I show up and it's just fucking menorah Suzuki. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that uh, would be awesome too, though. If it is Minoru <laughs> <for her grandpa.
2: laughs>
0: yes, that would be awesome as well. But, uh, you know, Buddha would be maybe something that would make me want to drive up to Nashville, which is what it's six or seven hour drive from where we're at probably about six drive up. Watch the Muda match, have a good time. That would be cool. But like I said, that's something. If if that's the case, then you should be fucking heavily promoting that because it'll probably be Muda's last match in America.
1: If well, they have another month to be able to hype it up. So I'm sure that that was just a. I'm sure they're going to announce every match. But so far, what they presented, even with the concept of having a new Japan star, it's pretty cool. It definitely brings a lot of gravitas to this. But uh, you mentioned. Hero Ishii, we should probably, unfortunately, go over some injury reports if we didn't already have enough at this point, you know. Uh, so to- Hero Ishii, he went against Clark Connors to find out who is going to be represented in this four-way match at Forbidden Door for the All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, we know that Miro, Pac, and Malachi Black were all in this four-way. We'll get more on how I feel about two four-way matches for championships later. But either way, he is injured. He has a knee injury that he suffered uh, at the match, and he will not be able to go on. Uh, And unfortunately, I, I, I just feel bad for Clark Connors. I'm sure he's a great wrestler, but fill in the shoes of what he... We were supposed to have a Japanese fucking wrestler presented in this. That was the whole point. And I know that Ishii beat this guy, and another person wasn't represented within that match. But to me, I don't know, you have a bigger person than Clark Connors, because I feel like maybe he'll have a great showing, but it's kind of just, eh. We also found word that both Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, both members of Red Dragon, are injured. Um, I think they said that Bobby Fish, it's much shorter than Kyle O'Reilly, but god damn, man. Like, you know, Matt Cardona, Jeff Hardy, obviously injured, but also for other reasons. Uh, We have MJF that we don't know is a work or a shoot. He's gone, you know, on the side of WWE, three of their top baby faces, Big E, Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, all gone for several months. And hoping best wishes for Big E, especially since he broke his fucking neck. Uh, and then CM Punk, Brian Danielson, you know, Kenny Omega, and now we add with all of those people, Tommy Orishi, who's supposed to be a part of this pay-per-view this weekend, who got hurt during the match to determine who was going to be a part of this match, and then both members of Red Dragon. Um, I don't know why I always say Redragon. It's probably because of how it's fucking presented. But anyways, not a good time, Chris. Lots of injuries, lots of people out. Fucking has been one shitty summer when it comes to that, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we all thought that this was going to be the fucking summer of punk after he won the title, too. And that's probably, I mean, that's a big, big hit. Um... I think Big E and Cody are also big hits because they had big plans for both of those guys and various feuds that would have made a lot of sense for WWE. Uh, Ishii is a, is a big hit for like New Japan Strong because he was planning on working mostly there and then doing some more stuff in Impact. So that sucks for New Japan Strong and Impact. Uh, as far as Clock Connors being the replacement, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. He won the Young Lions Cup, and he's been really good from the matches I've seen. and. New, New New Japan's American show, but I, I get exactly what you're saying. If they're going to push Clark Connors, they wanted to use if New Japan wanted to use this as a moment to kind of highlight him on a pay per view. Um, that makes sense from a New Japan point of view versus like what what fans would actually want to see. So uh, I didn't have a huge problem with it. My friend did message me and say so like. He's basically New Japan's answer to Hangman again. <laughs> he's like a pretty Hangman because they kind of got the same vibe going uh, look-wise at the moment. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, like Clark Connors, like, like I say, he's a good wrestler. He's trained by Buddy Wayne and Shibata, so he knows what the fuck he's doing. Should be a pretty good match. Sucks she's hurt. I think that, like you said, it maybe added a little bit more gravitas to that match. But what can you do? say everyone's snake bitten right now god the only and i don't even want to say anything about impact because as soon as i say something um something bad will happen i guess the only person that's really out there is cardona at the moment
1: Uh, yep and definitely we already talked about it with the uh change with trevor murdoch beating nick aldis uh sean shaw or what what the hell's his name i know it was dexter loomis but uh I think it's Sean Shaw. Um
0: Sam Shaw. Samuel
1: Sam, Shaw. Samuel Shaw, thank you very much. And uh the other gentleman that's married to Camille, I forgot what the fuck his name is, but I'm not gonna really, you know, lose sleep over it. But uh Trevor's now got that title, Matt's gone. <laughs> so definitely fucked up shit for uh for NWA as well. But um I don't know, man. I'm sorry. Like I I, I understand what you're saying about Clark Connors. I just feel like you insert another Japanese fucking person in there. You know, it honestly, we have Minoru Suzuki, we have Tanahashi, we have Okada. We have a lot of good names. Uh, you know, I don't know why they're not having a match together, but Hiromu is teaming with Darby Allin, Shingo, and Sting. There are Japanese talents, but we do have Jay White. We do have Will Ospreay. It would have been nice to see... I don't know since it's not on this at all Tetsuya Naito maybe thrown in this because uh, a, a big name so Yeah
0: I wonder I wonder you know Naito just came back from injury so I wonder if he's taking it easy because he's going to be in the fucking G1 So I don't know maybe that had played into it a little bit the uh, traveling from America You could have found someone a little
1: Kishida just came back he signed a lifetime fucking you know uh
0: apparently the Kodibushi lifetime contract but uh i don't you know. know if i would be signing a lifetime deal at the moment with everything that's going on with fucking koda <laughs> if i'm being completely honest i know I man Shida, but i don't know that i would have uh maybe I'm glad he's back in Japan. Four year. Sure. yeah me too and and i'm you know he'll he'll i think he's going to cuz we've been having what shingo and fucking hiromu going back and forth in kind of the junior heavyweight division for so long that it, at least with Kushida there, it's going to break up some of that mon- monotony. So I am also glad he's back, and and knowing that, uh, you know, Shelly is out there wrestling. Alex Shelly's out there wrestling. We might get a uh, might get that tag team back at some point as well, which would be really fucking awesome um, to see in New Japan again. So it's cool, cool shit. I'm glad Kashida's back. I mean, they were doing dick all. They had him doing stupid ass shit in NXT after they changed. started to change to NXT 2.0, so good for him for getting the fuck out of there because they were never going to use him on the main roster.
1: Yeah, they were trying to turn jacket time into the next tying guy, basically. And uh, similar to um, Takamishinoku, Kushida's a fucking excellent goddamn wrestler, so thanks for trying to waste him for some fucking joke shit. But you did mention uh, Alex Shelley I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Slammiversary, uh, which featured him, among others. And this is the 20th anniversary, man. I'll just kind of go over because I don't have them in front of me. We had a lot of shout-outs that I really enjoyed seeing uh, from different wrestlers from different companies. But Kurt Angle said his piece about how much the company meant to him. I forgot the wrestler from AEW that had his own talking uh, segment. But maybe it was Christian um you kind of talked up the company uh but also wwe giving aj styles a chance to talk about they had like these awards for whatever you know in the last 20 years best whoever and aj got like three of them and he accepted them and uh i thought that was pretty cool they really made this a night of <laughs> even though they had the reverse battle royal well they were trying to make a historical night for just celebrating impact and TNA wrestling from the get-go. So I thought it was really cool for them to have like those extra cameos. Like I said, I can't remember exactly who the AEW wrestler was that I wish Samoa Joe got some time, but that didn't happen. But, uh, it was really cool seeing AJ Styles be able to say some stuff. I don't know. This was basically like a counterpoint for Mickey James being in the World Rumble with the Impact Championship, but good to see AJ Styles because when you think about Impact Wrestling and TNA, I feel like AJ Styles has to be fucking up there with Samoa Joe as some of the top guys from the beginning. So it was good seeing AJ be able to say something. Did you uh for the most part, how did you feel about Slammiversary, the 20th anniversary itself, and how they handled the
0: pay-per-view? Because I really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it it was definitely worth the price i thought they set a good price point on the pay-per-view itself i loved the opening video package they showed some great moments throughout the entire company we had a little bit of everyone um you would expect samoa joe samoa joe seems like the kind of the person that's like fuck impact to be honest with the way he exited that company so they probably asked him and he was like no nah, i'm good um but there was a lot of a lot of that there there's some people obviously that couldn't be involved, say like a Jeff Jarrett. Um, we couldn't get any promos. This happened right after he got hired by WWE to do Steph's old job, so that probably hurt. But um, I kind of Sting
2: wondered. was
1: the, Sting was the AW wrestler. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but I just found out that information, so Sting was able to say some stuff, which is pretty cool
0: yeah and he got to talk about how much fun he had doing joker sting and stuff it was there was a lot of moments like that and even for some of the stars that couldn't be there or didn't work a match there were some cool moments like like i was saying with jeff jarrett uh he couldn't be there but they definitely gave a lot of shout outs to him in the main event to pay tribute to the man who fucking started the company um it sucks that he couldn't be there. I'm sure that they had plans for him to be on that show before he got rehired by WWE. Um, but yeah, it, it, overall, I mean, there was lots of great little gyms, like with, uh, when AJ Styles was talking about uh, thanking the Impact audience for voting him most influential and uh, best male wrestler. He, he won, a, like you said, he won two or three of these awards. Um, he also went into details about what he what what he thought was one of his best matches of all time, which is the 2005 match between him, Joe, and Christopher Daniels. Yep. And as soon, and as soon as he said that, I was like, "Holy shit! It would have been awesome if you guys could have got that match. <laughs> like if we could run that huh. back, since they're all still wrestling to various extents." <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just neat moments like that, and if you're a longtime Impact viewer, or if you have started to dive back in it because of pluto and, and seeing some of those older stuff like older episodes of um the tna pay-per-views back in the day it was really really fun um to see that be celebrated in a way that made sense and if you if you've if you've stuck around with this company this cockroach of a company this long that just would never die uh it it paid off for me at least for the anniversary.
1: Yeah, and they they provided a lot of history throughout the whole entire thing. Brought back matches. <laughs> Some of them worked out better than others. I will say that, but still was a extremely fun pay per view, especially when it comes to nostalgia. And I mean, before I kind of took my break in 2005 uh, ish, maybe six, um, I was watching Impact at the beginning, so it was kind of nice to see you know, stuff, uh, work itself out, but let's go over this, uh, pay-per-view itself. Um, I will admit, and where the heck is this? Okay. Right here. I'll admit, I, I didn't watch a pre-show, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go over those matches. Rich Schwann beat Brian Myers to, uh, hold on to the impact digital media championship. And Shark Boy, who I joked would be a part of this reverse battle royal, won the reverse battle royal and it was only ten
0: minutes long. So there's <laughs> your show Chris. I don't know. Neither one of us watched this. I know that. Well, I tried to find this motherfucker and it was nowhere to be found. So I don't know if it ended early or where it was. I tried to watch it on YouTube and it kept saying I couldn't watch it for whatever reason. I didn't see it anywhere on what would this was on fight, right? I didn't mm-hmm. see it anywhere on fight. I tried to quickly look through Twitch and after after about 10 minutes of searching, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> Pretty much. Not not to discredit anything that was on the pre-show, but yeah, I don't think either of us gotta fucking see it. That's cool, Shark Boy one. Um, every time I think of Shark Boy and and <laughs> tna i immediately think of him and new jack's weird friendship and relationship where shark boy's playing in the little fucking kiddie pool and new jack's like i ain't got time to play with you <laughs> and then he gets in the kiddie pool and he's like is this what you wanted it's fucking great it's a legendary early moment in tna so if you guys haven't seen it just look up new jack shark boy um that whole storyline was fun, so it's cool that you know it's cool that Shark Boy won the match. It's a, it's a reverse battle royal, so it was gonna suck anyways. <laughs> but uh, it is fun to see like you know Shark Boy get, get a win. I guess like I'll have to go back and watch that now. But uh, yeah, the, the pre show was kind of impossible to find, and uh, even if you went to their Twitter, there wasn't like a good or I didn't find anything that just said here's where the pre show is. Um, cause I was bitching you about it at like 7:30, knowing that I had already missed like half of it.
1: Yeah. And apparently it was nowhere because I couldn't find it myself, but what are you going to do? So the actual same anniversary event started off with the ultimate X, uh, match for the X division championship. Awesome match. Uh, the champion, um, Ace Austin, who just came from new japan he's now a part of bullet club and was within the super juniors um (laughs) i said it to you man they basically put it on him to have the exhibition champion a part of the super juniors um but i thought that he would retain he was going against alex zane who i'm pretty high on um doing his best impersonation of like Amazing red meets Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know what the fuck the look was, but whatever. I think he's a great wrestler. Uh, Great high flyer. But Mike Bailey won. He beat Ace Austin, Alex Zane, Andrew Everett, Kenny King, and Trey Miguel, and is now the Impact X Division champion. I like Mike Bailey a lot. I hope that this means that Ace Austin is being considered once again for the world championship because I think he would be a great champ. Um and I think he would have a good rivalry with Josh Alexander. So we'll find out where the fuck this goes. But Mike Bailey, your new Impact X Division champion. Chris.
0: Yeah, I think me and you both had Ace Austin retaining when we did the preview, but they've been pushing Mike Bailey really hard on these. And I and I think I even talked about that on last week's show. Um, as he would be kind of the outside guy, I would see winning because they pushed him so hard. Like he's got, he's got wins over, uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin and other matches. And, uh, I don't know, man, he's had a good little run here. I'm not huge on huge on Mike Bailey. It's not his in ring work or anything. It's just the whole aesthetic. His character is very much like you guys remember Ricky dragon steamboat. We're doing that basically, um, but he's a good wrestler. Uh, Alex Zane is to me was the standout in this match, and uh, people just kept trying to drop him on his fucking head. Apparently, which sucked for him. Um, Everett was kind of what a last-minute replacement who was actually supposed to be in there for him. I can't even remember now, but there was an injury that caused him to be in the match, and he 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 probably was my least favorite in the match, but it it was a fun match. I mean, ultimate X matches can, they're either going to be really, really, really fucking great or kind of just average. This one was a little average. I did love, there was one spot where Ace Austin kicked somebody in the balls as they were hanging from the fucking uh, X ropes, which was pretty funny. Uh, If you need someone to fall from there, kicking them directly in the nuts is a good way to do that. Um, also, Ace Austin's entrance is awesome. I have no idea how he makes that fucking cane appear out of nowhere when he does the weird uh, no-handed cartwheel thing. <laughs> He's a wizard! <laughs> He's a wizard, yeah. That's what Chris Jericho would say. Uh, I would have personally kept it on Ace Austin because it seems like he'd been trying to win the son of a bitch for like a year and me and you kept predicting that he was going to win it and he finally pulled it off and then they have him drop it like a month later. But uh, whatever. like you said, maybe that means he's going to be more in the title picture with the backing of bullet club. I could see them doing something like that where Anderson and gallows kind of help him get to the top, but good, good shit. It was a fun match, not close to even the top five best X division matches, but it was fun to start the show up.
1: That is a good point. All right. So our next match, Rosemary and Ty Valkyrie won against the influence, the uh knockout world tag team champions, Mass and and Tanel Dashwood, and uh I think that both of us didn't think that was gonna happen, but uh Rosemary and Ty Valkyrie won. So that was pretty cool. That's all I gotta say about that, I guess. But um I'm happy they won. You know, I don't know what the fuck this what, what happens with the influence, but Mass and rain has like retired three times now. So I have no clue
0: if that's going to actually happen this time or what. Well, I mean, they have to keep them around for at least one more match. Um, and potentially they'll just win the tag belts right back because I, they're, I actually picked them to win simply because I thought, you know, this whole thing is to set up Taya versus Rosemary who have a checkered past to begin with, which I guess it is. They're just going to do it in a little more of a longer format. So, I, uh, you know, right now they have no other female tag teams. I would expect the influencers to just pick the belts back up to start that feud between Rosemary and Taya, which will make sense. If if Taya comes out looking strong, she'll probably be next in line to go against Jordan Grace or whoever the women's champion is at that time period.
1: But now, once again, we have another double champ. Taya Valkyrie is not only the AAA Reina Del Rey, Champion, but she is also part of the Impact Knockout World Tag Team Champions. So good job, Taya. They were doing such an amazing job with you in fucking NXT. I don't even remember what your your bullshit name was. Uh, fucking WWE.
0: Yeah, that's baffling to me because she got super over with her and her little dog. Um, <laughs> in NXT, the crowd was fully behind her, and then they just like fucking released her. I'm baffled by that, but. You know whatever. Um, good for her. She seems like she's having fun with the current character and, and working in AAA, et cetera. I'm gonna stop start uh, stop counting AAA titles as existing in America though, because they actively don't mean anything.
1: Shots fired. All right. Um, the next match. 60 minute match. Moose, Sammy Callahan, Monster Balls match. I think that me and you thought the same thing. I thought the Monster Balls match had like a, like it was a cage and there was a ceiling and it had a bunch of weapons on it. But I mean, these guys were brutal to each other. And uh, once again, I thought Moose is going to win this. Sammy Callahan ended up picking up the win uh, and beating Moose by pinfall. Another person that could be in line to go against Josh Alexander for that title.
0: Yeah, I was actually surprised that he beat Moose. I did like Moose taking his fucking finisher and kicking out at one, and then Sammy having to hit it again. So at least they tried to keep Moose looking strong. And he lost in a match that's definitely not his cup of tea. So you can always go into back-back to Moose, which I – you know the way the match itself was structured and booked was pretty good. They did have one spot that looked pretty bad um, towards the end of the match. Like – uh, Moose went ass over tea kettle off the top rope Well, they were trying to set up some kind of spot like an avalanche type spot And outside of that the match was fucking great uh, the concept of Monster's Ball for those who don't know is for 24 hours you can't eat or are allowed no water and have to sit in a dark room so that you're super pissed off and angry leading into the match I guess
1: but uh <laughs> don't you love how like Moose was like really fucked up from that and Sammy's like I want to live there
0: like, <laughs> the, the, yeah, that yeah, I think that played into their their characters. So it was a fun build up and in, in a pretty good match for kind of what it was. Moose, uh, Moose taking those fucking pile drivers, putting his hands down to hit like pop out of the pile driver spot. I felt really bad for him, and at the end of the match, he just had like two thumbtacks sticking out of his fucking head. Oh. Which is very obvious because he's bald, so you just see these shiny fucking <laughs> thumb tacks sticking out of his head. Um, but I mean, it's exactly what we thought it would be. We, you know, I thought the match would be pretty good, but it is—it is kind of one of those kind of garbage matches. I'm not super into, um, but I think they did a good job with the storytelling, at least, just because those two characters are fucking very opposite. Absolutely.
1: Um talking about characters that are very opposite. We had the Good Brothers uh, going against the Briscoes, the Impact World Tag Team Champions. I mean, they had a good 10 minute match. Uh, I was kind of disappointed with the ending. Got to be honest with you. So. And I'm pretty sure this is a whole entire thing is like the Briscoes beat the. No, no, actually. Did the Briscoe? They didn't beat the Good Brothers actually. Before they got the belts, they lost to them. Then the same night that they lost to FTR, so now they lost to them again when they have the belts, and got it off of uh, Violent by Design.
2: <sighs>
1: I mean, I like the Good Brothers. It just, it was fun for like a very short time period where we had the Usos as double champs in WWE. Uh, Young Bucks were now the AW champions. You had these guys over at Impact, and then FTR has, you know, every other fucking belt, and they're probably going to get the New Japan belts, potentially. But, um, because those are like my top tag
2: teams,
1: (laughs) throwing Grills to Destiny and uh, Prime Powerful, then you pretty much have out my top favorite tag team. So, good brothers, it's not that I dislike them, it's just like, where the fuck do the Briscoes go from here?
0: I mean, my guess is off of the Impact roster.
1: <laughs> Finally that's... going to AEW, where they should have gone?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't we don't know what's going on with Ring of Honor, but I'm assuming that they're going to end back up in Ring of Honor. Um, especially if that's going to be like a streaming type show. So I don't know if that's coming sooner rather than later. It seems like they're setting up Ring of Honor title matches. So they would be in line for a rematch against FTR and maybe they're going to go to Japan. I, fuck, I know it, it wouldn't be the first time they've been there. Um, But yeah, you, like, I agree with you. I don't know why you would have them win the belts and then just immediately drop them back because they lost to the good brothers. Then they beat violent by design
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then they lost <laughs> to the good brothers to drop the title belts back to them. It just seems like, okay, well. Um, I guess we're going to have Violent by Design feuding with the Good Brothers again, which I don't know that I'm super hyped on.
1: (sighs) Yeah, it's kind of annoying. But afterwards, uh, we have a new group that apparently is back uh, in uh, Impact when James Storm – and was that Bruce Beefcake's son? I couldn't tell. Oh, no, that was Chris Harris. But America's Most (laughs) – one of the original tag teams before James storm, Bobby fish ever made beer money. They were a tag team and they look like they basically kind of, uh, called the bluff of the, of the, uh, good brothers. So maybe we'll see that happen, but, um, it was good seeing James storm.
0: Yeah, it was cool for him and Chris Harris to be a part of the show. Chris Harris looked like he was in kind of rough shape. Um, and they did this spot where they were all drinking beer and chris harris i think has had alcohol demons in the past and was the uh sober one of the bunch which james storm politely you know pointed out everyone needs a designated driver which was kind of funny but uh i I mean are they gonna have these guys wrestle i can't remember the last time i saw chris harris in a fucking wrestling match it's been years
1: How is Chris Harris as a wrestler? I've only seen a little bit of him.
0: Jeff Jarrett was super high on him when he was in um the early days of TNA, even like when they broke up America's Most Wanted, he was someone that was pushed kind of heavily towards like a main event type spot. He's pretty good in the ring. I mean, he uh similar to Mike Awesome. Not as good as Mike Awesome, but similar like in the in-ring style and the size and everything. So that would not be like a, a- cowboy mike awesome if you will yeah <laughs> yes um so that would be that would be probably comparison i would you know think of if, if i had to compare him in his in-ring work to somebody but uh he was yeah he was someone that they really heavily wanted to push and obviously he uh he like i said he's had some demons in the past so um i don't know if that's what derailed him or if it was just they went somewhere different I mean, they got on Spike TV and a lot of these cats, these original impacts or TNA guys kind of got pushed a little bit to the side. Um, but I haven't seen Chris Harris work since probably like 2008, 2009. I'm assuming that he hasn't done anything in NWO or NWA, which is where James Storm has most recently been seen.
1: Wouldn't it still be great if Bobby Fish leaves WWE and forms beer money again?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Bobby Roode's getting paid to basically do nothing right now, so maybe he's not super. (laughs) Bobby Roode. Yeah, yeah, I said Bobby Fish. Sorry. Yeah, maybe he's not super hoping to run and actually have to go work. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it'd be awesome to bring beer money back. They should have fucking brought beer money into NXT. Then they would have an actual tag team that's not, you know, the Usos and the New Day. And I guess Street Profits to a little bit of a lesser extent.
1: Hey, Viking Raiders looked pretty good coming back last night. So hopefully they do something with them. But yeah, I agree with you. And uh, (laughs) I got to say, though, yeah. You take the concept. I know they won the titles for a time period, but WWE doesn't give a fuck about the championships. But if you were to take the concept and you said, we're going to put Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler in a match together, or in a, a team together, you you would think that would be fucking great. But I haven't seen them on television since Dolph. Did he win the NXT championship? Yeah, I think he did, actually, and lost it. But um, what are you going to do? Bobby Roode's still there. I know that... He's been on main event doing the old glorious gimmick with the whole, you know, kit and caboodle, but I don't expect much from the fucking main roster because they've never, for some reason, seen anything in him. And like I said, with Dolph and him, Dolph is put over by, you know, for many wrestlers, obviously, but especially Ric Flair. Uh, loves Dolph Ziggler, thinks he's a great wrestler. And then Bobby Roode's been put over by everyone, including Arn Anderson, that thinks he's one of the best wrestlers today. And, you know, they're just some shit tag team. Fucking stupid.
0: Yeah, it was kind of weird not to see. uh, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that WWE's not doing anything with Bobby Roode. Why the hell couldn't he do a little video for Impact? He's a multiple-time champion there, and one of the tag team legends. That would have been someone I would have tried to get on, on Slammiversary itself, if possible, even if it was just a video. Um, and if James Storm is coming back to any any serious level, if he's coming back to Impact, he should be in the main title picture. Because he's uh, his singles runs have been pretty great. And they kind of get looked over just because there was a lot of bad shit on Impact during the time period that he was making his title runs. Well.
2: Oh.
1: We'll never get that beer money versus DX match that everyone wanted back in, like, what, 2008,
0: 2007? <laughs> I, I will say that Bobby Roode and James Storm's feud for the title is was fucking great. And that's something I would like to see ran back at, at some point down the line if Bobby Roode ever leaves WWE.
1: All right, well, our next match had a bunch of Impact Originals, speaking about Bobby Roode and also James Storm. Uh, we had them, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Frank Kazarian, Nick Aldis, and the mystery person, which, look, I really do like Davey Richards. I think he's fucking awesome. Um, and it makes sense to have him in there against Eddie Edwards. Uh, but he's not really who I would consider an impact original. He came in kind of like the two 2010s. Um, and I don't know, you could have like had, especially if James Storm's there, why not have him fucking a part of this? I have no idea, but they went against the evil dastardly, um, honor, no more Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO Vincent. It was a fun fucking match. I mean, it was nonstop, 90 miles an hour. And uh, the Impact Originals beat Honor No More. So what the hell are they going to do now? And it was good seeing... out. If, if we get out of this Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards again, that'll be cool. Because I started watching Impact again in 2015-16 when Davy fucked over Eddie and beat the shit out of him and his wife uh i think is an angela love uh, beat the crap out of um, eddie's wife and that was going somewhere and then it just dropped and if we get some more matches between these two guys it'll probably be great uh but like i said i like davy richards a lot i thought this was a bit of a letdown to be the last guy a part of the originals i guess like i also said it makes sense with eddie edwards to have to go against his old partner but How would you feel about this, Chris?
0: Well, I think you and I both, when we we did the preview for the show, we both kind of had similar ideas of what they would do, which would have been James Storm, Samoa Joe, or Christopher Daniels being a part in this match. Christopher Daniels would have made a lot of sense just because he was in a tag team with Kazarian forever and is one of the actual, what I would consider, a TNA original. Um, Davey Richards fits more with Honor No More than he does. (laughs) <laughs> with uh, so, you know, I wouldn't say it was a letdown because it is building to something. Obviously, they're going to do something with Davey versus Eddie, which is it's fine. And maybe they'll even put them back together. Maybe that's the uh, they set up some, you know, three on three matches where he's teaming with Motor City Machine Guns and screws them over. And then you create a tag team with him and Eddie. Worst things could be done. And putting the wolves back together and having them have feuds with the good brothers and motor city machine guns. There's definitely worse things that you could do. And, and that can lead to the breakup. Like you're talking about to set that feud back up later down the road. Um, one of my favorite things from this match, and it's a very small thing. Someone uh, chopped PCO and, and Taven hit him with a super kick. and said, nobody touches my monster. <laughs> 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 it, yeah. fucking, it made me pop but the match was really good i mean there's a there's just there was so many fucking spots that happened in this match like you said it was a hundred miles an hour and kind of the tag team tag rules went out the fucking window very quickly in this one but um fun stuff i like matt taven a lot i, I wish that they would do something where he's not an honor no more because i feel like he could be a big star for impact and um Obviously, the Motor City Machine Guns were in there, so that's that's always good.
1: God, they're so great at double-team moves and just, like, constant double-team moves. Like, And they make it look way more vicious than, and I love the Young Bucks, but obviously they look up to the Motor City Machine Guns. And it just seems like the, the Machine Guns are killing people when they do all those, like, bam, 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 bam. And when Young Bucks try to do it, it just looks a lot more forced and uh, rehearsed.
2: If that makes I, sense.
0: I have no idea how fucking uh, alex shelley hit a slice bread number two because he had to jump over a guy and catch pco with it <laughs> so good man so God, fucking God incredible damn it y'all are so good him and chris Sabin are so fucking good um dun, dun, dun. What,
1: and also me and you talked about this the machine guns have one of the best entrances Period. Who was the one that we were... Oh, the Good Brothers. I hate their fucking entrance music.
0: It's terrible. It might be the worst entrance music I ever heard, and that's including shit like American Males. <laughs> yeah, that's but, up there, too.
1: But but like, but like Rosemary's music, fucking amazing. Fucking uh, Motion Machine Guns, fucking amazing. And then you got the Good Brothers. The
2: devil's dog shit. <laughs> I
0: hate it. I hate it. <laughs> hate it it's i mean it doesn't really fit their characters either i mean i don't know that sounds like something like kmart undertaker would come out too. (laughs) (laughs) like biker kmart undertaker basically (laughs) yeah (laughs) like we wanted to get rights to something else but this is what we had laying around (laughs) that sounds like impact but uh all right it's terrible all
1: right, 18 minutes, 15 seconds. Uh, Queen of the Mountain match.
0: <laughs> as stupid as this match is, this was match of the night.
1: This is a great match, man, but yeah, it is fucking ridiculous. I will say, was Mickey James a heel in this or what? I know that she's intervening with other heels and ones that she's had problems with, mostly Chelsea and fucking Tasha, and also Deanna, I think, at one point. But... <laughs> I mean, she was kind of deliberate uh, in her enforcing, Chris. But great fucking match. Uh, all the women look great in it. And Jordan Grace, two-time uh, knockout champion. And uh, I like her having it. And Deanna prazo and the returning Rachel Ellering will have a chance at her at the uh, Ric Flair. Uh, I'm sure they'll have another match before that. but So someone else could have it when we get there, but... At the Ric Flair uh, anniversary or retirement
0: show, whatever the fuck. But this Jordan, is a great match. Jordan Grace is like the Brock, female Brock Lesnar of German suplexes. Jesus Christ, she was yeeting everyone in this match. So <laughs> um, it's so good, and uh, it, it's small thing like you said, harkening uh, back to the Mickey James. Uh, she did have a really funny spot where she made Savannah. <laughs> Get into the penalty box with Tasha, (laughs) which I thought was funny. That's definitely a Mickey James type move. She's so good, and you know, I think this just sets up the rematch between her and um, her and Mickey. It's uh, another person who looks really fucking great in this match with uh, Chelsea Green. And they definitely could be an argument made that she deserves to be champion as well, just because that she's got she's been kind of everywhere and has been having really good matches. And uh, craziest shit in this match is when they took that table spot, and I didn't even realize the tables were down there. I thought they were going straight to the floor, and then they hit these tables and they split way faster than expected. That was a scary fucking spot. I know Chelsea was involved with it. I can't remember who else. Um, where that twenty-foot ladder tipped over, and they went to the outside and went through the tables. That was a uh, holy shit moment. The 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 uh, Bubba Ray, uh, spot, if you will.
1: Yeah, it was did uh, uh, recently too. Yeah. That was pretty gnarly. Because women are lighter, man. So it's like it's not the same thing. Your ho- the whole point of something like that, or a table spot in general, is that the velocity of the speed the person puts you through, and your weight itself. You'll get through that and not to worry about it when you have women, you know, they might just bounce the fuck
0: off the goddamn thing. So it's uh, I don't know if they well, I, I don't know if they saw the tables or what, but that was a bad idea because those motherfuckers split into a bazillion pieces and they just hit the floor really fucking hard. Like the idea is the table's supposed to help break your fall. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't. I mean, it looks awesome, but it's also supposed to kind of protect you as you're falling that far. And these motherfuckers just I, I, maybe they were like, well, women are lighter. We're going to make the tables easier to go through. But these son of a bitches exploded uh, when they hit them. And like I said, they didn't do a good job of showing them set those tables up. I guess they were already set up or whatever before the match started. So when they went when they went started going ass over tea kettle, I thought they were going straight to the floor. And I was like, oh, my God, please don't do that. Um, and, and one other thing The crowd fucking sucked in this building Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves <laughs> I
2: yeah, know
1: Why the hell would you I want to go to the it? 20th anniversary of Slammiversary And not be loud
0: I mean they were just like They were not into anything There were certain people that were able Chelsea Green I think did a really good job Of getting the fucking crowd into this match Specifically um, but man, they just were not popping for fucking the, even the craziest shit they weren't really popping for. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just a weird crowd. Obviously, you know, it's a smaller crowd, but I mean, me and you went to fucking the GCW show and you can have a small crowd and it can still be an awesome atmosphere, you know, it, with, with the crowd really being into the matches. It's like this crowd, I, I don't even know why they showed up. They were dead. What I, I what oh, I, was, no. uh, I sent you what deader than the party the parents on party of five, like. Oh,
1: oh, oh. I mean it's true they they, they were uh, non-existent at many points. Um, but we have the main event: Josh Alexander putting on the Impact World Championship on the line against Eric Young. Uh, eighteen minutes fifty seconds. It's a really good match. Um, I don't know. My whole thing is the only the only complaint because they had an excellent match. Both guys are fucking incredible, and uh, there was definitely some bullshit that Joe Doring and uh, Diener kind of did within the match. I was a little disappointed that we, you know, Impact at least recently has been known for the next competitor to step up to the plate kind of comes out at the end. Instead, we just had like a, you know, a happy Josh Alexander beats Eric Young, and then he poses in the ring. He's champion. I love Josh Alexander. He's one of my favorite wrestlers right now outside of – you know, well, no, no, not even outside of WWE and AEW. I don't know why I always to make that distinction. He's just really good in the fucking ring. He gives me Kurt Angle vibes. He gives me Bret Hart vibes. I just think he's an excellent wrestler, and I understand that he is also – You know, along with Cesaro, and we'll talk about this later, Cesaro, Johnny Gargano, uh, Jonathan Gresham, Timothy Thatcher. He's one of those names thrown out there as a potential person for Zack Sabre Jr. to go against. I don't know if I see him being around long enough to join the Blackpool Combat Club, but I can see why people would think that, because he's an excellent technical wrestler. And uh, he held it down. I just kind of wanted the next phase to start. And unfortunately, I missed Impact this last week, so I don't know what's going
0: on storyline-wise there. Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I haven't had a chance. I recorded Impact. I haven't had a chance to watch it as we record this show. That'll probably be a later today me thing. Um, it's you know not been a busy week work-wise, but a busy week of watching wrestling and trying to catch up on other shit. So I, I, I missed this week's Impact. Um, I know the results are out there already for anyone that did miss the show and want to know what's going on. It's pre-taped, so you can go find that. But uh, I have not I have not seen what the next step is. I was kind of okay with them not doing the New Japan kind of call-out spot here just because it is Anniversary. It's a send the fans home happy, let Josh Alexander just kind of have his moment uh, after a very hard-fought match. Um, some really fun spots in this match. There was a, you know, Jeff Jarrett uh, <laughs> uh, headshot with the guitar and he, Eric Young, fucking nailed him with his son of a bitch. Um,
1: Jeff was, was uh, very happy on uh, Twitter, by the way. He w- He put that over a lot. So I think he appreciated it
0: yeah this thing went over alexander's head like at 90 miles an hour and it actually i think helped the match i think you pointed that out because uh it kind of busted open jo- josh alexander not like bad but it busted him open and kind of gave him a fucking mean look going into the finish of this match where they pulled pulled up the ring apron and uh started trying to pile driver each other it was uh it was a great ending and then uh Doring and and in, in, in co outside i'm i slipping on the other guy's name we're constantly trying to fuck with alexander and, and there was even a flag battle here <laughs> josh alexander gets a hockey stick with a flag on it which explains why scott demore was out there to begin with earlier in the night um that motherfucker should never be on commentary ever again by the <laughs> way <laughs>
1: I'm Scott more and I'm just gonna say random things while you guys are trying to put
0: over the match. Thanks, Scott. I, I like Scott. You know, I think he's done a, a Didn't lot of. Did he used to wrestle? I I don't I that I don't know I haven't. He's trained people. Possibly. I just I, I know that you know before he really took over Impact i was super down on their product and it has came a long way well i think what i texted you is like i know he helped, he's been pulling impact out of the fucking depths of hell <laughs> but this is terrible get him off commentary but anyways he brought a flag out it got shoved under the ring it was basically a hockey stick with a canadian flag on it um versus violent by design's flag and he uh he broke their flag and then started whipping ass with a hockey stick. That was a pretty fun spot. Uh, there was a – he – Eric Young hit the stroke on Josh Alexander. Another shout-out to Jeff Jarrett. Um, they paid a lot of respect to Jeff in this match, and that was cool. And it was a fun match. It's um, I didn't really expect Eric Young to win just because Josh just won the title from a long feud against Moose. And uh, I guess Sammy Callahan's next. That would be probably the guy that makes the most sense at the moment. Yeah, I,
1: I definitely agree with you. Isn't it crazy? Like, you know, we're talking about Jeff Jarrett. Isn't it crazy, like, how close he is to the product now? <laughs> like, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. Him and Paul Heyman have a lot of control over everything, um, you know, Storyline wise, you know, over even the writers, and they were kind of like one and two to Vince for each show recently in the last couple weeks. And now Vince is gone. You know, I know he's still doing storyline stuff, but it's just so weird that Jeff Jarrett's in a top position WWE creatively.
0: Yeah, funny enough, the shows have gotten better as well, which is hilarious, (laughs) for being completely honest. Um, but yeah, it oh, is. Oh, so
1: it's weird. The the uh, the head of TNA and the head of ECW actually know what the fuck they're doing uh, for the most part. Well, if well, if they don't have like someone else intervening with their shit, you know.
0: I, well, maybe that's why it's the perfect storm if Vince is dialing back some of their bad ideas <laughs> because you know uh, Paul Heyman and, and Jeff Jarrett have both had some fucking doozies in the past of ideas. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Well, uh let's 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 kind of breeze through Raw and SmackDown. Like we have done. Guys, it'll be much more heavily devoted, I think, next week, uh building up to their pay-per-view. But my God, this Raw fucking uh, I don't know. Hey Kitty, how's it going? All right. So it started off with a match with Asuka, Morgan, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, and Carmella. Rhea Ripley is she literally said she has a brain injury. Scares the fuck out of me. Hope she's okay. She's also out.
0: Um, with she, all gave the- herself a con- she gave herself a concussion. Yep. She took a suplex spot too close to the ropes and her foot hit the bottom rope, popped back up and hit her in the face. Hard as hell.
1: She kneed herself in the fucking head and gave her a concussion.
0: So hopefully so. she's okay. I just wanted to point that out because a lot of other people have been pointing to the spots of the match that could have gave her a concussion. Uh, no one dropped her on her head and no one stiffed her. It's it's just, it was fucking just terrible luck. When you give your own self a concussion, that's always the fucking worst.
1: Yep. No, I agree. And uh, from this, I get it because it's an easy person for Bianca to go against and, you know, win, but disappointed with Carmella winning uh, over Oscar Liv Morgan who the crowd loves her Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss <laughs> whatever I guess Corey was up
0: Yeah, I don't I don't understand this because they announced that it was just Becky versus Oscar to see who's going to get <laughs> like what the hell was this because later in the night it's like they forgot what they were doing midway through the show with Becky and Asuka to set up who was ever going to be in Money in the Bank because Becky basically ended up working... They both ended up working two fucking matches. Um, that part was a little weird to me.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll give Carmella. She's she's definitely someone who does a uh, super kick pretty well, but uh, I don't really care about her going against Bianca Belair. I know she's going to lose. And if she wins, I'll be fucking pissed. Because that's fucking
0: stupid. So, I don't know. Uh, she's just going to get murdered by Bianca. So, it's whatever. She's just... She's a body that's there right now.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
1: Um, Alright, so we have Matt Riddle against Hamas next, Chris. Um, this was to get in the Money in the Bank match. Riddle lost! Um... This is going to be interesting to see Omos in a fucking Money in the Bank ladder match, for one thing. Uh, I guess you could just jump up and fucking grab it, but still. it's like The only person, Chris, that I could see winning this match, outside of Seth Rollins, in all actuality, even though we have two people to go before we find out who the final people are, one of them was Matt Riddle. And now he's out, and who is in the match, Seth Rollins came out and just beat the living hell out of him. Look, I love the idea of a long form uh, program with Seth Rollins, Matt Riddle. I've already seen him in the ring. They have great matches, Uh, but I don't know. I, I feel like even if Matt Riddle doesn't win the money in the bank, you having him in there makes sense that he could possibly win. When you look at so far who they have in it, Maybe Drew McIntyre, but like it just—it seems like it's obvious who's going to fucking win the match, and that's Seth Rollins, because I don't see Sammy winning. I don't see a lot of the people already in it winning, but maybe I could be wrong. I just expected Matt Riddle to be in it, but I will say after this, which if Seth attacked him, I don't expect him now to win it, so that's interesting. Uh, but a rivalry between Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle does have potential to be.
0: Right. But I mean, if they're if you're going to take Brock off TV for a while and Roman off TV for a while, you could have you could still have that rivalry and just put the belt on Seth because he could win at money in the bank and then interfere in their main event match to win the title. Could still, happen. You run it. I mean, you could do that. I don't know that I would necessarily do that, but you could. That could be where they're going. Um, is Kevin Owens going to be in this fucking match? Or are they going to do another fucking Elias match at this pay-per-view?
1: Let me find out who the Money in the Bank uh, finalists are. Um, keep on it's going.
0: Re- though. It's re- it's really weird because they set up matches to qualify for Money in the Bank, but not everyone had to qualify for Money in the Bank. Like they have they have they have at least one more person they're going to have to get in there, right? Because it's
1: so so far
0: true. We have Seth Freaking Rollins, Seamus, Drew McIntyre,
1: Almas, Sami Zayn, and two more people need to be added to it. While right now on the women's uh, end, we have Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka, Shotzi Blackheart, and I'm assuming that last person has to be Becky Lynch, but there's one more person to be announced from that. So I mean, besides Drew McIntyre, honestly, or maybe fucking Sami Zayn with this whole entire, I'm going to win the contract, cash in in on uh, Brock Lesnar, some fucking how, but if Roman has it, I'm just going to keep it so, you know, he's safe. Um, I don't see that happening, but Drew McIntyre is the only person I could see winning this out of who they have, but there's two more people, including what could be Kevin Owens or somehow Matt Riddle getting in again. Uh, to be announced for the Money in the Bank ladder match.
0: Yeah, unless Randy Orton's not actually hurt, <laughs> and it's fucking been gay so. for this entire time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're you're probably you, I think you're you know right. It's it's with Kevin Owens. If there's two more people, do they just put him and Ezekiel both in this match somehow? Just so they can still do that feud, but now they're both in this match because it it's gonna it's gonna be weird to have a money in the bank without you know Kevin Owens in it.
1: We, we should talk about that actually. I I I'm sure it comes up in my notes, but just in case because it was a segment, that shit was hilarious. The double spot, you know, very reminiscent of the Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mankind, but like you know both them on the couch, you know, as brothers. And obviously the pre-recorded segments backstage after the match, Kevin Owens seeing Ezekiel after he fa- or went out and you know had a confrontation with Elias. Obviously there was a lot of spirit gum for that beard to look so damn perfect, but it's actually, they did a great job. This shit's been fucking hilarious and it's going to be weird to see how long they can do this, but they're doing it pretty well so far. I got to
0: say that it's entertaining sports entertainment. Yeah, Kevin Owens has done a great job of making this work. Like I said last week, turning uh, chicken shit into chicken salad. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, well you had Bobby, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley, uh, and he went against Otis, Gable, and Theory. Or did we have something before this? Let me hold on. Jay Uso uh, went against Andrew Dawkins and won. So, good shit. Oh, no, no. Dawkins won, but
0: I don't really care. (laughs) Same fucking thing every
2: week.
0: Why is Lashley not in the Money in the Bank match? Like, that's a big name that should be added.
1: Because Bobby Lashley now wants the U.S. championship, apparently, that inevitably John Cena's going to feud with Austin Theory for, so he's just going to look like a fucking idiot with egg on his face, no matter what.
0: (sighs) I mean, if you're going to put one big guy in the match, like, that he would have made a lot of sense right now they have well i know why he's not going to be in there now but they have drew mcintyre sheamus and almost in a fucking ladder match <laughs> think about that <laughs> some big ass motherfuckers trying to get climb this ladder
1: i can't wait to see almost try to go up it Thing fucking fall down uh, but um yeah so lashley beat everyone and uh he's still dominant and uh that's
0: about it (sighs) i I like this match because i think it did make lashley look good i don't know what it does for austin theory but um him coming out of the uh, a-town down into a roll-up looked awesome that was a really cool finish and theory did a great job of selling his surprise of like i tried to fuck this guy over and he still beat me it was that was that was a good spot
1: Agreed. Um, so we have Miz TV, and this would end up with Ciampa going against AJ Styles. They had a great match. AJ won. Same thing. First of all, why the fuck is Ciampa, like, the the heater or the the guy for fucking Miz? I have no idea. Uh, but, I mean, sure that you can still put on a great match. And even though he won against AJ Styles, it wasn't just AJ, it was the two of them. They're just both great in ring wrestlers. Like I keep on saying, man, I hope Vince or whoever, especially with now that Triple H is back, apparently. So he's telling people at NXT. So he's back full time. If he gets involved creatively with all this shit, especially if Vince has to, you know, take a leave. I hope Ciampa is just treated like I keep on fucking saying. And it seems like what Triple H is doing with him. When he was a heel in NXT, like a modern Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, kind of anti hero. You don't know where he's going, but he's aggressive. He starts off talking very calm, but, you know, still has an aggression in his voice. And it keeps on climbing until the end when he snaps, throws a fucking chair against the wall. But for right now, we're going to see him lose to everyone uh, until then, if that does happen.
0: Yeah, this was one of the worst things on Raw, not because of the setup of AJ versus Ciampa, but, or Champa, I should say. It was the promo to get there. Jesus, this Tiny Nuts thing that they're trying to get over is very, very much a Vince McMahon sounding. Uh, I think this is funny. <laughs> but that shit is not over. My guess is what's going to happen is Tommaso is going to uh just beat the shit out of Miz as well <laughs> like that's what i would do with that character because <laughs> right now Miz is just selling his surprise every time he shows up to attack aj styles but it hasn't been addressed yet it could just be like Tommaso, like biz is trying to be his friend and then he just beats the shit out of him as well the only re- reason Miz is here right now is because uh Miz and mrs just came back on the air so they're promoting that show that comes on right after all <laughs>
1: That's a good point. All right, so the main event after that was done was Becky Lynch and Asuka one last time to try to become Money in the Bank uh, participant and good match. Asuka beat Becky Lynch. Like I said, I feel like Becky's still going to get that final spot. We'll find out, but Asuka is definitely part of this Money in the Bank and she's not winning it a second time.
0: I'll just say that. I think it's Bailey. I think Bailey is the Money in the bank, the last remaining female money in the bank participant. Becky Lynch will have a fucking meltdown, but that would make a lot of sense based on what they're doing with their with their uh, character. Right. And then she could also somehow weasel her way into a three-way for the women's title.
2: Yep. She can come point. out and
0: be like, it's unfair. I had to wrestle two matches in one night. You know what I mean? Shit. So she could go that route.
1: All right, let's keep on going. And I would love that, by the way. Uh, SmackDown is from last night. We're recording this on a Saturday like we normally do. But Drew McIntyre kicked off the show, came out, said a lot of stuff um, involving money in the bank. Uh, Sheamus came out. You still, you know, they, they both were added last week from Pierce. This week, they're both talking shit to each other you know, about the whole entire thing. And then Adam Pearce comes out and was like, look, it has nothing to do with me, but unfortunately you guys are going to have to be a part of the, of, of a match to qualify. And it's not against each other. Can they coexist, Chris? Sheamus and Drew McIntyre will have to go against the tag champions, the Usos. If they win, they're a part of this. And uh, called out by Sonya Deville later on, who was pissed about how she was positioned in a fucking handicap match. Um, You know, like, oh, okay, like, this is fair. You know what you're doing to me and how you just fucking completely changed your opinion. And Adam Pierce was just like, Sonia, like, I don't make these decisions. This was given to me. So (laughs) this is fucking stupid. Like, how the hell did they get to here? Like, they didn't have any fucking planning. They were like, all right, you guys are just automatically in. Oh, never mind. You guys have to team against each other to beat the Usos.
0: (sighs) God damn it. Would have been awesome if the fucking Usos won and they were in this goddamn money in the bank match as opposed to... uh drew and seamus and the reason i say that is if one of them was to win the fucking thing that would be an interesting feud with roman it would definitely been something interesting like they hold the briefcase they're like don't worry man we're just gonna skate past wrestlemania we're never gonna cash in on you if anything we'll cash in and protect you and then they finally pull the trigger on it and you give an uso a big moment um because I right now, like as we ran down that card, they have way too many big guys in this match for it to be interesting. I don't know what they're going to... It's going to need Sammy. Zayn. Sami Zayn's going to have to work his fucking... Him and Seth Rollins are going to have to work their ass off to make that match any good.
1: Yep, we still have two people, but I agree with you so far. I mean, those are the guys that have to actually make it a TLC match. and uh, Or not TLC, Uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Because everyone else is kind of uh, grounded. Who knows? I'm Drew's a freak, though. So Drew can probably do some crazy shit. But I agree with you with Sheamus and Omos. But we'll find out. Speaking about qualifiers, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn was talking to Kayla Braxton beforehand and uh,
2: insisted
1: <laughs> that he was merely protecting Roman Reigns by trying to get that money in the bank. Because he's going to beat Brock Lesnar. And, uh, you know, he'll just hold on to the money in the bank. For his oose and said that he was an honorary oos. Um the artist uh, you know, had a great match with Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh somehow survived not only a Kinshasha from the second rope to the back of his head, but one on the outside. But it was a haluva kick that caused Sammy to beat Shinsuke, and he's now a part of, like we've said, Money in the Bank ladder match. Chris.
0: I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be great if Sammy ended up getting the money in the bank for the same reason. I said, it would be fun if you had the Usos in there, this whole storyline with Roman watching Roman turn the corner. Now that Sammy would have the money in the bank would be really fucking funny. Like where he, he's like, yeah, you're part of us now. That'd be, that could be some real fun storytelling. Um,
1: I love the follow up though. Was Sammy like coming in on the conversation between Kayla and uh, Paul Heyman. And, you know, the whole concept of Brock Lesnar beating Roman Reigns. And he's like, don't worry. Brock Lesnar beats Roman Reigns. I'm going to cash in and beat Brock Lesnar. And, like, Paul Heyman just like, I'm going to fucking murder you, motherfucker. Like, shut the fuck up. I thought (laughs) all that was great. Sammy's awesome.
0: Sammy's fucking great. He's in a similar situation to... uh... Kevin Owens right now, we're heavily featured on the show, but kind of in a wacky storyline, and is making it fucking work because both those guys are fucking great. Weird. I bet WWE's super happy they paid them the four million or whatever they're signed under because <laughs> they uh, they do a good job of carrying their perspective shows each week.
1: I still just love. All right. Kevin Owens, we're going to have you go to WrestleMania and you're going to face Stone Cold Steve Austin in his last official match. And, like, Sammy's like, oh, who do I get? Do I get, you know, Rey Mysterio by himself? Like, who am I going against? You're going against Johnny Knoxville. But thanks, Sammy,
0: for coming. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, you could make the argument that that was one of the, I mean, for the casual audience that was probably a major selling point is to have the jackass guys on the uh on wrestlemania but yes i agree with you i think that's uh that's a that's a very shitty consolation prize (laughs) if your best friend's getting austin in comparison
1: (sighs) anyways all right so what do we have next We had a match between the New Day. Well, it was supposed to be Shanky and Jinder Mahal against the New Day. But New Day just told Jinder to fuck off and wanted to get Shanky, you know, back into dancing. And Shanky starts dancing at one point and Jinder Mahal's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these guys were over in NXT and they've been off for a while. They have somewhat of a new look, uh, more, I don't know, it, it reminds me more of like Powers of Pain, like Barbarian and a Warlord, uh, if you will. And they just decimated all three of them. Shanky, New Day, just kicked the shit out of all of them. And they had a promo later on that was actually pretty good. And this is going to be, I'm hoping, a reflection off the war machine that I knew of back in New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um or even somewhat similar in a heel manner to what they were in NXT. But uh, we'll find out. But uh, I don't know. I like I like this version of the Viking Raiders. I want them as this heel uh, demolition or powers of pain type of tag team. Chris.
0: Yeah, it didn't take long for them to turn Shanky into just the dancing guy. Did it?
2: <laughs> Should be
0: shanking people. Fucking two weeks. <laughs> My shanking people idea seems a lot better right about now. <laughs> Ugh.
2: Um,
0: but Those. yeah, this is... Uh, I don't know, I mean... It's it's gonna be War Machine versus New Day, I guess? Who the hell is the Usos going against? Or are they just not gonna defend the tag titles? I th- they're probably going against the Street Profits for the fucking
1: millionth goddamn time
0: right yeah that's right they did they did they have been building that match i keep forgetting about it just because that program is happening they, have, they so. have a match every fucking week in pay-per-view for the last i don't know how many months <sighs> yeah and i don't see the street profits winning it so maybe this is actually setting up board machine to have a uh, have like a meaningful title run like if they're coming in as monster heels that's not the worst thing in the world um You know, that's kind of shades of what they were doing with the Bludgeon Brothers, except they gave them a shitty name and shitty gimmick. But it could work to have them have, like, a dominant tag team that holds the belts for a while. It could make those things fucking meaningful. And then you would have some other tag good tag teams chasing them, which, I mean, it's been on the Usos long enough. And I think the more you can introduce into the Roman Usos storyline where he's disappointing and pointed in them always makes... The Brotherhood a little more fun to watch as well. So that that's probably where I would go with it if I was booking the show. Yeah, agreed.
1: All right. The next match we had I, we already talked about the uh Adam Pierce interaction with Sonia DeVille backstage and her calling him out on his bullshit. Because of the fact that he got her job uh taken because of similar stuff. And uh Sonya for bitching to Adam. <laughs> Adam Pierce. Goes a little heel. And makes her go against both Raquel. Con- or no I'm sorry. Raquel Rodriguez. And Lacey Evans. In a fucking handicap match. Now Sonia has uh, both. Um, what is it Mia Yim. No no, not Mia Yim. Um, uh, Ziya Lee and Shayna Baszler in a corner. So she still has a little bit of backup. But I mean. The. R- Raquel and Lacey beat her. And then that kind of showed up with Shayna kind of getting in uh, both their face. So I don't know. I don't know what any of this did for anything, Chris.
0: Yeah, me either. Uh, It's kind of one of those ones you could just look past. I mean, I guess it's setting up, giving Lacey a win, headed into Money in the Bank, because she's going to be part of that Money in the Bank, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Lacey Evans. I feel like they continuously fuck her up by not uh, <laughs> booking her properly, but I like Lacey Evans. I don't. I don't know.
1: What the fuck was the point of her telling her whole entire goddamn life story, going into detail about stuff she probably never wanted to tell people if they are not going to fucking follow up with it immediately afterwards? That's the question.
0: I don't know. They should have done that when they brought her up from NXT because her li- her actual life story was better than the character they fucking saddled her with when she got to the main roster. Um. Yep. but she's got she's gotten better in the ring and uh, looks like a million bucks. I mean there's there's something there. I just don't know if they know how to get there yet. Maybe if Vince steps back and they let some other people uh, book her, she could be a very different story. She's kind of like a uh, she could easily be like a babyface version of a Charlotte Flair if booked properly. Um, she has the size and can wrestle with some of the smaller women and be like a believable babyface. If you can tell the story properly and not just make her vomit it out in like a 10 minute promo, I think you could do some video packages and and things to make that character a little more interesting. But uh, yeah, I don't really give a shit about Sonya Deville <laughs> at this point. I don't. I'm sorry. I loved her in NXT. They fucked it up like uh her and sasha or or Shayna baszler both it's just like i don't they're i just don't care all right well
1: next let's see if you care about this we had natalia coming out ronda rossi's uh music hits she comes out uh dressed just like ronda with a stroller going to the ring and basically like you know shows that she is uh, pretending she's Rhonda less superior to Natalia because Natalia jumped her from behind the week previous and put her in the sharpshooter had her tapping out. Um, so she's kind of like, you know, just to let you guys know, <laughs> recently Natalia and Rhonda are really good friends, but they must be very, very uh, okay with completely destroying each other because on Twitter... Um, there was a picture of Natalia and her sister, basically in bikinis or some shit like that, promoting uh, Natalia's website that you know has them both modeling. Her sister, forgot her name is. She's younger. She has an OnlyFans. So Rhonda kind of commented on it and was like, "Oh, that this is really great. You guys doing your whole entire creepy sister thing on OnlyFans? Blah 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 blah. blah. Just talking shit." And Natalia kind of came back and was like, oh, okay, well, let's go to your farm. Apparently, Ronda Rousey has friends over, and they go to the fire pit in their their farm, and they sit on rocks and talk about shit. And there was one recent about them talking about uh, different conspiracy theories, in which Ronda started crying at one point, so Natalia brought that out. Well, this night, I mean, Natalia made fun of her by dressing like her, barely said anything. And then Ronda comes out, and it's like, making fun of her fucking plastic surgery. I, I, you know, I'm surprised to see you cause usually your, your tits are out. The closest thing you'll ever get to being a main attraction. This company is dressing like me, like, damn. And, uh, that's just setting up more for their match. And
0: that was about it. So there you yeah. go. She ran fucking Natalie down pretty Natalia down pretty fucking hard here. Um, like I said, it was one of her better promos. Cause I think it actually clicks with what we knew Ronda as in UFC a little bit more. And it's a little bit more of an edgy character ass whipper kind of character. Um, but damn, she, she immediately starts it with like, Oh, I'm sorry. I almost didn't recognize you because your, your rack wasn't out. And then just immediately runs down the fact that Natalie had or Natalia has had plastic surgery and, and how you're, part of the problem for uh, buying into the industry standard stereotype which i mean to some extent is true but also you're kind of body shaming someone when you start shitting on them for you know body image is a big deal either way whether you get surgery or not to fit a body image or if you're you know worried about your own body image in a different manner so the that part of it was kind of a little fucked up, like either way you look at it. But she ran her down for that shit, and uh, it it kind of makes you. <laughs> the promo made it seem like Natalia is the actual fucking babyface here. So kind of. <laughs> I mean. um she didn't really say anything about the baby stroller. I guess she was insinuating, you know, Ronda left to be a mom or whatever. But like you said, the, Natalia's promo was pretty fucking tame, like just a heel wrestling promo in comparison to what <laughs> Ronda came out and did a fucking uh, Nas ether track on poor Natalia. Uh, but it is what it is. <laughs> <Let> me- <laughs> That's <a> great reference. <laughs> It's uh it is what it is. I mean, I didn't think Natalya was going to win this match, anyways. But I don't, I don't know that you needed to barrier that goddamn hard.
1: Agreed. All right, so let's. I'm gonna give you just the uh, the winners of these next three matches because, I mean, all right. So uh, Gunther won against Ricochet. This is the rematch for the Intercontinental Championship match. Unlike their last match, which was very competitive. Gunther just beat the fuck out of Ricochet and beat him very, very quickly. Uh, Shotzi went against Tamina for a qualifier for the Money in the Bank. She won. Uh, we had McAfee, you know, get up on the desk and call out Baron Corbin and just talk shit about him. And that's setting up, I guess, for the next pay per view itself. Um, what do you think about all three of these things? The fact that Gunther, Gunther beat Ricochet relatively quickly uh, for the rematch, Shotzi beat Tamina, and now she's a part of the Money in the Bank. And also the fact that Pat McAfee cut, set a great fucking promo once again and just ran down Baron Corbin.
0: So Ricochet's got, what, one one year left on his deal? He needs to go somewhere else. <laughs> he's, is he just doing the John Moxley at this point and keeping his head down? And he's just going to let that some bitch expire and not say a goddamn word because... Man, they—they all they did was give him that title to have (laughs) him get his ass whipped. Uh, So, and like you said, this match was this was basically a—I mean, I guess it technically wasn't a squash, but it fucking felt like one in comparison to the first match they had for the actual title. But uh, Pat, Pat and Baron—that should be fun. I'm actually looking forward to that think like i think they'll have a pretty good little match and uh i can't remember the other thing what was what was the, the Shotzi match the Shotzi match was was fine and i'm kind of excited that she's in money in the bank i don't necessarily think that she's going to be the one to win it but it, it'll she's fucking crazy so if you need to add one crazy person to the match seeing her heat herself off a tall ladder will probably happen multiple times
1: and let me just say even though she lost Uh, Really nice seeing The Rock buy Tamina a brand-new house, like a big-ass one, because they're cousins. And I don't know if anyone saw that online, but uh, Rock's a really good dude. He does have a lot of cameras set up for situations like this to put over himself. But still, that was very nice (laughs) of him to buy Tamina a house.
0: Tamina's been in WWE for so long, you would think that she could afford to buy herself a house, though. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe The Rocks should do this for random people, you know? (laughs) Like, people that can't afford to buy themselves a house.
1: How much do you think, honestly, Tamina makes? Just curiosity.
0: I mean, I would think at this point in WWE, if you're on the main roster, you're going to be making at least... Over eighty thousand dollars a year, on just on a base contract, and then I don't know whatever kind of residuals you would get off the pay per view or the network. I know NXT, what the NXT like opening starting performance contracts like forty thousand or was forty thousand a couple of years ago.
1: You're but I mean, the I better.
0: Mean, maybe she's having to pay for all of uh, her father's lawyer fees and all that shit from that murder trial. I mean, there's probably some other stuff there. But you, like you know, the Rock does just set these cameras up to do these <laughs> weird uh, giveaways and, and such. But uh, it's the Rock, you know. Whatever help if by if, the way- if it meets- I don't know if he said this
1: last time, but John Cena is a fucking saint. He went over to, forgot which country, but taught to some refuge from um, the Ukraine. And this kid that was obsessed with him and uh, had Down syndrome and also was not able to talk. But he went all the way over there. He's got a busy-ass fucking life. The mom requested it, and he just did it pretty much in an instance. And uh, we need more John Cena's out there. We really do. Rock's a good guy, too, but John Cena is a fucking
0: saint. And he's from Boston.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, it's going to be fun seeing Cena back. That was one thing we didn't talk about on Raw. They announced he's back next week, so. Oh, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. that. Let's
2: talk
1: about that for a second. So we thought that was the end of Vince McMahon. That was, you know, him saying goodbye. Uh, The previous week on SmackDown. And then he comes out again on Monday Night Raw out of nowhere. We hear no chance in hell and just announced that John Cena will be back. And that was that was it. And I'm wondering, can we get to the point where he just starts like telling us stuff every week that's like minor and more minor? Like Curtis Axel didn't technically get eliminated from the Royal Rumble. And that's it. That He just says that and just leaves like that'd be interesting. Right, Chris? (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh sure i mean i think he's gonna continue to show up until they just tell him he can't anymore at this point right <laughs> uh, fucking wild but in any case i am excited about cena coming back should be me too be fun i guarantee you it'll pop a huge rating on monday I hope we hear, I,
1: I want, I want the original John Cena. I want, you know, the, the, what is it? The something of thugonomics.
0: <sighs> Doctor of Thuganomics. Thug-a- yeah. <laughs> I want to hear that music. I think we will hear that, but it will be Austin Theory come coming out dressed as fucking that John Cena. That would be hilarious. That would actually be pretty awesome if you did that. Uh, I, I I could see them setting up a three-way match for the U.S. title, Lashley, Cena, and in, in theory. So don't be surprised if that happens on Monday. I could definitely see them doing that just to get Cena on the fucking pay-per-view.
2: That's a good
1: point. All right, well, uh, want to address this next section, the the last section that we'll be going over on Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We had to put a disclaimer out So About to go over AEW Dynamite About to talk about Forbidden Door We Me and Chris Both very much love AEW We love what it's doing But I'm kind of Sick of the whole concept That has been implied Or stated over and over again That Hey, you should just like shit and enjoy the taste of it, which is like Vince McMahon's motto back in the day towards wrestlers when it comes to storylines. But in actuality, it kind of applies to this in, in a uh, lot of ways, because I am looking forward to this pay-per-view on Sunday. Just based on the build and the booking specifically, um, I know there has been injuries that shit's no one's fault besides you know just bad luck i just feel like a lot of this could have been booked a hell of a lot better and i'm not gonna lie to you people when i talk about dynamite about a lot of the stuff i was disappointed in and that also comes from the pay-per-view if i'm not supposed to do that i think you're listening to the wrong show i just can't act like something's good when i would be this crit- uh, critical uh, for any wrestling organization. And after watching Slammiversary. Last week. I told Chris this. Uh, before the show. I can't believe that there is a good chance. I might actually enjoy Slammiversary. More so. Than a New Japan. An AEW crossover event. And I'm sorry. This might actually just sting some buttholes. But. I feel like if WWE was the one crossing over New Japan, there's a good chance that it would have been set up a hell of a lot better and we would have had better matches. So if you don't like what I just said, I apologize. I'm just giving my opinion, and it's all about opinions. If you have a different one, that's fine. Everyone just has opinions. Best people have opinions in the industry are wrestlers, bookers, promoters themselves, the ones that are actually involved. All of us are just stating what we see. We don't everything. We don't know everything behind the scenes. But uh, I, um, I've heard plenty of podcasters that I appreciate and respect, basically tell me just to like this, and I thought a lot of this was uh, piss poor, honestly.
2: I
0: am going to agree with you. I do think there's going to be some good in-ring matches on this pay-per-view just because of the the people that are involved in those matches, and there's a lot of great workers on the show itself. But as far as having like like an example, like a Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler, here's the reason they're having this match, here's the psychology behind it, there isn't any of that on this fucking show. It's a bunch of matches thrown together with a bunch of good wrestlers. There's, there's zero build to it. Yes, injuries play into that some. I think a lot of it is the fact that you guys gave yourselves four weeks to build up what should be a super big build to a massive international pay-per-view. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this, like an actual company versus another company in a long time. You could have done like a Survivor Series type match. You could have had points for both companies. You could have, there's so much more that you could have done to make Forbidden Door feel fucking special. Um, But you decided to book it right before the G1 and also right after your last pay-per-view and did a very piss-poor job of introducing us to some very key players in New Japan um i think the way that they introduced tanahashi and kazuchiko Okada is a fucking embarrassment to who those guys are we didn't get any video packages we didn't get any ahead of time announcements they just wanted the surprise pop for the music which is fine but those are two of the greatest of all time in new japan and i felt like they should have probably had a better introduction uh, a lot of the matches do seem cobbled together. And I do know that all, like like I said, eight out of the, the ten matches have changed when I was talking to you before the show, multiple fucking times at this point. So, you know, there's a little, give them a little bit of leeway for that. But uh, we've known that this was going to happen before the last AEW pay-per-view, and you should have started sprinkling in storylines and introducing us to characters from New Japan Before they ever actually showed up like, here's some potential people that could be here and why you should care about them and have Jim Ross talk about it. Like he was there as a fucking commentator. So just to be like, this is just, it's going to be this and it's, it's going to be great. Whatever. You're just saying it's going to be great based on work rate, not based on a huge part of good matches, which is the actual story behind the fucking match. And uh, there's not a whole lot of that on this pay-per-view.
1: <sighs> My whole thing is, there's a better way, like you said, injuries, uh, all the wrestlers, especially compared to, we're going to have a match, it's based off of work rate. Hey, Will is part of two teams. He's going to lose. that, and, and we'll have a brawl afterwards. But that's about it. No storyline, no video packages unless you watch the fucking final one they do, which is always good. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. There's no reason this, this, I, I don't think me or Chris would have cared if this was actually in October and they planned it more out. Like they didn't have to do it that close to fucking finalizing, you know, their partnership. I hope next year's better. I just feel like this year was like put together with fucking Elmer's glue and a couple twist ties like. Ridiculous.
0: Yeah, what's going to be interesting is and I kind of talked about this a little bit last week is I wonder if one night of Wrestle Kingdom is going to be an AW um, New Japan crossover in Japan, because if so, I have way more faith in fucking Gato pulling that off, you know six months from now (laughs) that I do AEW trying to pull off the same thing in four weeks. I think that plays into it a lot. I guess the injuries were there, but even with the injuries, let's say that the injuries don't happen. You still have four fucking weeks to book all of these 10 matches. Like to give us interesting stories of why we should care about this, other than it's a crossover. Like they've done outside of Excalibur, explaining various things on commentary about New Japan. AEW as a company has, for for a casual viewer, for someone that doesn't watch New Japan, let's say, you know, a lot of audience doesn't watch New Japan. Not necessarily AEW diehards, but maybe random people that are thinking about buying the pay per view because they tune in to. Who cares uh, about them, Chris? <laughs> not everyone watches New Japan, so they're not going to know who all these fucking characters are. Give us like a, you know, uh, ask TNT for an extra 30 minutes at the beginning of the show or the end of your show just to fucking go over who these people are and maybe show some clips from their matches, etc. And why they're so important. Like, talk about the fact that Kazuchiko Okada beat Kenny Omega twice, right? Like, talk about that history. Talk about why Kazuchiko Kazuchiko Okada holding the belt for fucking like 800 days in New Japan and beating all of their top guys. Right now, he's just a fucking guy in the world of AEW. I mean, they did their best on commentary. Like I said, this is not a shot at uh, Jim Ross or Excalibur, because I think you know, they've tried, their, especially with Tanahashi, have done their absolute best to try to put the guy over and making comparisons to, uh, you know, wrestlers from America and, and giving them, like, you know, the, the comparison of Tanahashi to Bret Hart or the comparison of Tanahashi to Sting and trying to explain, you know, how great they are and what they mean for that company. But they've done a real piss poor job of uh, making, <laughs> telling any kind of significant storyline. And, uh, you know, even when they started it, they kind of stopped with, like, Hingman being like, I want Okada. Well, why do you want Okada? Like, what's the reason behind you wanting to fight Okada? Like, why should we care about Okada? I know why we should care about Okada, but, like, my nieces don't. They got no fucking clue who Okada is outside of me talking about him a lot. You know what I mean? Like, you have to keep in mind that not everyone has followed... The Bucks and Kenny throughout this journey of leaving New Japan to starting AEW, to building the now the company has been around for three years at this point. There are people that just have become AEW fans who might not know this entire backstory. So uh, that that is one of my biggest problems with it. Um, also, like you said earlier, we're, we got two four way ma- or two four way matches, both for titles one for a title that was created just to do this i guess um tons of injuries and then you know some of the matches that should be there can't be there because cmll and aaa and new japan have like weird fucking relationships uh i think that if you would have pushed this out like you said till october you could have told a lot better stories given the time to build up maybe actually had even shown some matches and and maybe even had some of your wrestlers go to japan for some matches that you could potentially show on your product Uh, with three nights of wrestle kingdom kind kind of being the new norm i'm assuming one of these nights is going to be AEW versus new japan and if i had to just choose one to watch that would be the one i would fucking point to because this i think this had a very poor build and there'll be some great matches on the show they there definitely will be some great matches on Forbidden Door because I know that a lot of the wrestlers involved are great, but they're they're work rate matches. They're not anything that you necessarily have to care about if you're not a super diehard uh wrestling nerd.
1: And that's the thing. It's like uh, you know, Tony really should start catering towards people, you know, to grow this company because the thing is, like me and you we want this to be an actual competitive race. We want them to get and succeed to a level to where something like a WCW was years ago. Um, as much as we love TNA and ECW, or I guess even like you know a ring of honor, none of them ever were able to get to the level because they were held back by financial reasoning, people being involved with management, It's just always something gets in the way. And uh, I think Tony's a very intelligent guy when it comes to wrestling. I think that he loves wrestling. He needs some direction, but he won't really fucking do that, it seems. And, uh, you know, me and you, I think, both had, like, this situation. Like, I have my boss. He's like, man, you talked about this Okada dude. And uh, he just comes out looking like he's going, you know in Hawaii on a fucking walk down the beach or some shit. And I just feel like there was a better way to introduce him. Uh, I you know, it just kind of blows up in your face a bit when you talk about some of these guys like Tanahashi, like uh, Kasuchke Okada. and it's it's disappointing. it's that's not how we should see them first. That's not. The information should not be like oh you know this type of stuff no not always i do you do but like we said not not everyone does give us video packages don't try to put these guys over without promos and just like have like a brawl at the end that involves them that doesn't really solve anything so i don't know
0: yeah, any especially la- if the
1: before, before we go into this uh the, this uh, dynamite
0: no, not, no, nothing else other than I agree with you, because we'll get to the end of Brawl with Okada and, and how I felt about that. <laughs> so, Yep. All right,
1: let's get into this. What a way to start things off. Brian Danielson, it was announced on Twitter, would be addressing his future. Right when you see that, it's like, oh, God damn it. So they held off from telling us, even though of early reports, and I get it, maybe they were trying to see where Brian Danielson would be a month from now compared to where he was after that pay-per-view, but he wasn't able to make a meet-and-greet. He was able to fly specifically because there was something done and that hasn't been addressed 100%, but he had a concussion, and he came out, he cut a great promo. I mean, weird. Brian Nielsen's always great for uh, cutting a promo, talking about just really giving a lot of uh, praise towards the pay-per-view coming up, and talking about how you know they're they're what they're gonna do, and talking about how Zack Saber Jr. called him out, and finally got got around to it and said he had some good news and he had some bad news. Bad news is, he is not clear to wrestle for Forbidden Door. And at this point, we don't even have Okada coming out at the end, so I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. So we don't have Brian Danielson, we don't have Okada, we don't have CM Punk, we don't have this person. It's uh, a disaster. And that type of stuff is not on them. That shit happens, unfortunately. Uh, But Brian Danielson said that there would be a new member of the Blackpool Combat Club, that would replace him for both Forbidden Door to go against Zack Sabre Jr. And also at Blood and Guts the next week for the, uh, the big uh, match. So he promised that the wrestler would be able to be someone that would be good to participate in both matches. And uh, he's not going to be in it, but he came out the heel tunnel. Wink, wink, nod, nod, and uh, he wouldn't tell anyone, which, once again, here's my whole problem with that concept. I said the five people earlier that get related towards who could be in this. Uh, Three of them are not going to make a lot of diehard fans, I think, happy. There's two specifically everyone's really clamoring for, and I could see it being a any of them, but specifically those two. But the fact that you're not announcing it now might be, which is what's happened in the past, that Tony Khan likes to really build up something that's not as big as he says it is. He loves to use Dream Match. He loves to use, you know, whatever type of verbiage to really hype up stuff. So we have Timothy Thatcher, like I said. Hey, he could work out for both things. Technical wrestler, brawler. Not really up to the standards, I would say, as, that people would be, like, really over the moon about. We have two champions. We have, uh, you know, Josh Alexander, who could definitely show up in Chicago, has that belt. Great technical wrestler. Impact has involvement with both products. That could make a lot of sense. Uh, and then Jonathan Gresham who just was on The Last Rampage, kind of setting up stuff for something in the future, tagging with Lee Moriarty, and uh, eventually having a match with him for that title. Great technical wrestler, awesome concept, still a little bit lackluster. The two people that everyone wants is Johnny Gargano, who is known for having the War Games matches beforehand, and also is a great technical wrestler, very heavily compared to Mr. Brian Danielson. Danielson's always want to have a match against him. And then Claudio, Cesaro would be good for either situation. So if it's not those two guys, people are going to be pissed. And honestly, if it's any of them, why the fuck wouldn't you announce it right then and there? Just like, why the hell would you have Okada just show up when you can actually like announce that Okada will be on the next show to get viewership? I have no idea why this stuff doesn't go through Uh, Tony Khan's mind but Apparently it doesn't I'm going to pick Cesaro I think that's a safe pick Be a part of You know uh, the the Blackpool Combat Club Be in this match Have a great match with Zack Sabre Jr. Great technical wrestler Big size could be right in the ring Fighting along uh, against uh, Chris Jericho and all of his group Uh, Even though him and Eddie Kingston You know has have that fake rivalry online or whatever. So who knows? Maybe it is Gargano. Either of them would be fine, but it seems like it's them or nothing. And it's again, I don't know why Tony puts himself in this place. Just announce it. Just say it beforehand. Just so if there is disappointment, you don't have to deal with it. Like it's, it's already out there. I don't know. Or if it's an attraction, you get more people buying your fucking pay-per-view. Chris, what do you have to say?
0: I mean, so this promo was really good up until the part where he started fucking breaking kayfabe and talking about hill entrances and all that shit. Then I was out because, as I've said in the past, I just I don't care for that in my wrestling. Um, as far as who it's gonna be, I mean, it has to be Cesaro because he basically said the person that is the surprise guy is going to be part of the blackpool combat club. And the only other person I would like could think of that would make sense. If you're going to go either a very great technical wrestler or a brawler like Moxley be like what fucking someone crazy, like Joey Janela or some shit. And that would make people really pissed off. Like, it, like you're going to bring in like a Nick gauge because ZZW type guy. So if you're just going for like a straight wrestler, I, you know, Timothy Thatcher would be great, but he just doesn't have the name value. Gargano, I think, works better as a babyface. And if you're saying that the Blackpool Combat Club is, you know, going to be, um, you know, heel, then I, I wouldn't necessarily want to put him there. Um, and to me, Cesaro is a bigger name, so I would I would probably go that route. And then you can put him back in Ring of Honor or whatever afterwards. Gresham and Alexander, I think they're both great. They're just not going to be part of the, like the big caveat. There is that he's saying they're going to be part of the black, the, the 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 Blackpool Combat Club or whatever. So you're assuming that they're going to be like they're going to be latched on together um, with that group going forward. And I don't think Alexander would be doing that full time. And I don't, you know, Gresham is. A top baby face building towards whatever his next title match is. So, I, you know, that's why I would eliminate those two. Um, if you can get none of those guys and you just want something fun to tie into New Japan, you could do filthy Tom Lawler. I think that he would fit in with that group if you only need him for a couple of. <laughs> dates and you know he is kind of the anti new japan new japan guy even though he's in new japan strong he's his group is kind of fucking always the anti new japan guy and he's also headed into the g1 so you could you know have some interactions there in the g1 while continuing to promote aw versus new japan um I think that would be a good choice. I don't think that's going to happen, but if I had to pick someone that wasn't the guys that we've already named, he would, he would be my guy just because I feel like he fits perfectly into that fucking blood and guts match. And is also a great catch style wrestler and kind of fits the mold of what, you know, that group is supposed to be.
1: Not going to lie. I love that idea. I think that would be awesome. Um, now he's kind of like in my top three, along with Gargano and Cesaro. I think that, yeah, I I agree with you, completely. But uh, yeah, Brian Danielson out. We'll find out who's in this weekend or tomorrow for us. All right.
0: So, and I do want to say I do. It, you know, if it is fucking Cesaro, you should have just had him come out on this show, in his fucking suit, aviators, and been like, I'm the fucking guy. Because now it seems like you know. Brian Danielson is trying to get a one-up on, like, keeping a heel advantage, and to me, he's not—this is in America—he's not going to be the heel either way, realistically. I mean, the fans were going to cheer him, so I don't, you know, that I don't understand. And also, you know, if Cesaro's fucking coming back, that's a good thing to say ahead of time for fans that aren't necessarily AEW fans to be like, yeah, but I fucking love Cesaro, so maybe I'll buy the pay-per-view to see Cesaro. You know what I mean? Like, so, I I agree with you on that.
1: Do you agree with me that if Cesaro comes in, I kind of want him to be in the main title
0: picture pretty quickly? yes, I think that would be great. but I also think that he could have like a really cool I think you could do a lot of stuff with Blackpool Combat Club fighting each other and staying together <laughs> to some extent like him versus moxley him versus Danielson him versus Yuda just them beating the shit out of each other as a group maybe even two separate tag teams both trying to win the tag belts if they do some kind of tag tournament or something I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fun things you can do with Cesaro. Um, before he even hits the main title picture. But, I mean, you know, that's a fucking dream match between him and Kenny. When Kenny comes back, him and Omega, that'd be fucking great, right? I, I want to see that, him versus Hangman. I would love to see him in the, the big title picture. Um, I know if he, if it is him and he hits that fucking Cesaro swing, the goddamn crowd's going to lose their fucking minds at this pay-per-view. You can almost guarantee that. So, I mean, whatever you do with him, he'll be good at. Agreed. All right.
1: So the next match we had was uh, Orange Cassidy and Rapongi Vice going against Will Ospreay and Aussie Open. And this is a fun match. Uh, it would end at the end of it with Trent Beretta being the legal person, uh, doing a move, and then Will Ospreay coming in with the uh, Superman punch and Beretta getting the pin. Um,. Like I said uh, beforehand, I know Osprey is getting positioned against Orange Cassidy. I don't have a problem with that. I would have rather seen him with Andrade, but obviously that didn't work out because of the CMLL partnership with New Japan against AAA wrestlers because CMLL and AAA hate each other. Man, you thought rivalries with All Japan, New Japan, or WCW and WWE were bad. Well, Mexico takes the cake when it comes to their t- two top promotions, but um, yeah, Osprey is—is this not the second? I know that he didn't lose specifically, but you're trying to put this guy over, and he kind of is a part of uh, losing matches. Besides the one he had against Dax, but out of the three of them, two tag team ones, he lost.
0: Yeah, which if you go by WWE booking means that they're going to win, or he's going to win against Orange Cassidy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, Will Ospreay's entire storyline recently is he's been getting screwed over by refs um, and kind of losing matches outside of his control. So I don't know if they're just trying to continue that storyline or not. I don't know how much input New Japan has on how he's being booked. Um I'm also curious to see if Red Shoes is gonna be refing some of these matches, because that's not been announced as far as I know. Like, is he gonna be refing this fucking Osprey match and that's how Orange Cassidy wins? <laughs> Are we gonna do some shit like that? Um Yeah, I mean the match itself was fine, but I, I kind of agree with you. He's one of their top guys, probably could be booked a little stronger. I also would have liked Bea Priestley to be part of this. Because wasn't she being his manager for a while? Or am I confusing him and Zach?
1: No, no, it was Bea Priestley, but she's actually... uh, Well, she's injured right now, but she's NXT UK, so she's got a WWE contract now.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot, yeah. I forget about NXT UK. Um, Everyone does. Poor Tyler fucking... um...
1: Oh, what's his last name? The first uh, UK champion. He's a
0: badass, too oh my I god I had all those matches with fucking um, Pete Dunne and now I can't think of his name either
2: uh, He's so good.
1: he had a great match with Walter
0: yeah I'm sorry I can't think of his name either without doing some googling like, there, yeah there you go <laughs> I kept wanting to say Tyler Black but I knew that wasn't it <laughs> that's what I was trying to go
1: for it was not Tyler Black though it was definitely not
2: <sighs>
1: um so, yeah. And actually, it was Cassidy who got the pinfall. I don't know what the hell I was talking about, but still. Uh, Superman Punch, pinfall. Then we had what was going to happen constantly throughout the night, Chris, where we have brawls right after the match. And luckily, FTR comes out to handle Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb, and everyone's just fighting and beating the shit out of each other. Because um, that's 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 what you do to get over pay-per-view. It's just a, a brawl that's completely mayhem
0: apparently it's a very it's a very wcw way to get over a pay-per-view isn't it um before i move on from the orange casty thing uh whoever i can't remember who it was that sold the superman punch but they did the best looking like you actually got knocked out on a cell i've seen in a really long time so props i can't remember who actually took the pin but uh It was a good sell job on an orange cat or orange punch or Superman punch or whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, it was uh, Fletcher who took the pin, Kyle Fletcher, but I agree with you, and uh, maybe he actually did knock him in the fucking face. I don't know. All right, so the next thing that happened, Christian Cage came out. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Talking about white heat. Not nuclear, not thermal, but white motherfucking heat. Christian came out. And, I mean, shortly on to Tony Schiavone asking questions, he goes, I think you need to leave and just give me the mic. And normally I don't like that. But with this, I felt like it just was, you know, kind of necessary. No, I'm pretty sure Tony held the mic for a good portion of the interview still afterwards, but whatever. Uh, Christian just, I mean, everything that you would think that he would say um, at first, I, I, I will say, then they show the video that was kind of played on their, you know, uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter of Christian after the match, telling, uh, you know, Jungle Boy's mother that he that she gave birth to a piece of shit, and the sister and the mom flicking him off and telling him, fuck you, you know. <laughs> so it goes back to Christian. Not only does he allude that basically, uh, you know, Mrs. Perry wanted uh, a little bit of Christian Cage. That that was the reason why she was so mad. Um, kind of went into a tirade about how Jungle Boy wanted a father figure. And, uh, you know, he, he looked up to him as one. And at some points, he feels like he thought the Jungle Boy thought he was his father. But he said, but I'm not your father. Your father's dead. Ooh, that arena was not happy about the late Luke Perry getting mentioned in all of this. And uh, Luchasaurus comes out. We were wondering if it was Jungle Boy, but we were told beforehand that he's, you know, taking time off from the beatdown that he had from Christian, so he wouldn't be here. Luchasaurus starts choking him, and Christian tells him to remember Marco, which also going to pop out of the crowd. And said that, like, you're a son to me. And then he stopped choking him. So I, I'm assuming that uh, Jungle Boy, or not Jungle Boy, but Luchasaurus is going to resemble, like, Tyson Tomko next week. Like, just shave his head, just have, like, the beard. Sorry, to got the tattoos. I don't know. But um, that's interesting. You know, Christian's now, even though he said that he was only there for money and not to put over the younger uh, wrestlers, in actuality... He's going to try to make Jungle Boy look like a million bucks. And I don't know how Chris feels about this, but my personal opinion on the statements made about Luke Perry. Love Luke Perry. I watched Beverly Hills now, 210, back when I was younger. Always thought that he should play Gambit, an X-Men movie that never happened. Just because he had that cool suave thing about him. And he was a diehard wrestling fan. And this is very similar. People have brought this up to how uncomfortable they felt about the uh, Eddie Guerrero line from Randy Orton to Rey Mysterio. And similar to that, you know, I think Dusty's been brought up too. Um, In which Randy Orton did not want to say that, but this was something that was suggested by Chavo to make the storyline, like, add to it. And within interviews, Chavo, Vicky, and Rey Mysterio said that they all kind of thought it was a good idea to really Like, that Eddie would have loved to be a part of a huge um, storyline after he passed. I'm not... Obviously, they're going to go over this and make sure everything's cool. So people are freaking out somewhat about it. I feel if Luke Perry was a huge wrestling fan, being a part of a storyline, even in a grim situation like that, I don't think he would care. And it, it makes christian who's already a great heel and really starts going down our throats about it it puts him over that edge and kind of keeps him at a level where he's trying to make sure that the crowd even though he's been a wrestler for a long time hates his fucking guts and he's always been good at being annoying you know i've, I've compared him to jeff jarrett but that's because jeff and Christian have always been like in my top 10 in my lifetime of guys that I really that were really good at making me think that they were a piece of shit and I hated them. So <laughs> that's where that comes from. Triple H is also probably number one on that thing, but very separated, I would say. But I don't know. I thought this was actually really successful. And I'm, I'm curious on what you think about it, Chris.
0: Well, I'm gonna start start out with. The, I love that the, he's just been biting his time because he doesn't want to work hard. Because <laughs> his entire gimmick coming in was outwork everyone. Uh, so he talks about how Jungle Boy took basically cost him money by eliminating him from the Battle Royal. And then he gets the title match anyways, and he's like, and I I saw his potential and his stardom and knew where that tag team was going, so I hitched my wagon to them, so I didn't have to do anything. Just because, in theory, if you're the champions, you make more money, right? That's how it's supposed to be. Um, So they played that, and I loved how he played that. I thought it was great. As far as the Luke Perry stuff, I mean, obviously he cleared it with Jungle Boy. The comparison to Eddie Guerrero or Reed Flair and, and how that was used in storylines most different because uh, Randy Orton said Eddie Guerrero's in hell. <laughs> Insinuating that Eddie Guerrero is a fucking terrible person. Uh, Christian Cage just said your dad's dead, <laughs> which is just kind of a fact. I don't necessarily need it. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of it. I, you know, it was cheap heat for something that I already thought was a good promo, but you know, AEW does that. They, I mean, they did it, like you said, with dusty. Uh, well, even more recently, you know, Seth's did it with dusty and MJF did it with dusty and has, has there, there's been stuff like this in AEW before. I think people are just surprised by a uh, Christian's ability <laughs> to get as much heat as he did. Uh, but I love that they paid off why he didn't turn on him after they won. Cause that's what I was bitching about. I was like, why didn't he turn on him after they beat the young bucks? Like when he had the perfect opportunity, he picked up, you know, jungle boy on his shoulders. I was like, Oh man, I thought that was going to be the, the heel turn. Um, but the fact that he was able to actually tell a story of why and make it make sense and do such a good promo. This is easily the promo of the week. I'll tell you that it's fucking really good. And, uh, i actually look forward to that match, and I'm assuming Christian's going to put Jungle Boy over like a million bucks. The uh, the interesting thing is how long does it take, and with the way he was talking to Luchasaurus, it kind of makes you think, does Christian got some kind of weird mind control over Luchasaurus, and is, is Luchasaurus also going to turn on the Jungle Boy? Um,
1: Luchasaurus is actually Tyson Tomko. We just never knew it.
0: <laughs> I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I think it makes for an interesting storyline. You know what I love, though, Chris, is the fact that the pettiness level of Christian.
1: This all started from over a year ago where Jungle Boy, uh, you know, before they got together, eliminated Christian during that battle royal. Even though after that, or or maybe before that, not so long ago, he had a a match against Kenny Omega, the champion in which he beat him for the impact title. But he was mad that he got knocked out of battle Royal, and that caused a year of planning to make as much money as he possibly could. And then finally turn on jungle boy.
0: Yeah. Now he's now he's, he's mad. Cause he's like, now I have to work hard again, <laughs> which is fucking great. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought this was one of the best things on the show, honestly. And uh, I, I get why people are upset with, you know, the Luke Perry comment. Um, but like I said, he didn't bury, I mean, he didn't like bury Luke Perry. There's worse things that have been said in wrestling about deceased people in storyline. And I'm sure he cleared this with Jungle Boy before doing it. I don't think he just went out there and.
1: Just in every situation like that, Reed Flair, even back to the Eddie fucking Randy Orton thing, all this stuff usually is explained by the wrestlers that it was approved. And not only that, but like the, the party for that person says that they would have loved to still be a part of wrestling. So I just feel like, I think fans tend to get really offended when sometimes it's not necessary because if it's, it's, it's fuck, it's a work. (laughs) <laughs> if some, no one's going to say something that fucking despicable unless there is plans or people that approved it to begin with.
0: I mean, just for what he was talking about, like him becoming a father figure is like because his dad's dead. It's like, it's like I said, there is he could have went way harder, like he could have been like, and I was always more of a fucking branding guy anyway dylan was a piece of shit so is your dad like you know he could have went on and on and on and it it wasn't that so i mean i I guess it shocked people luke perry is well beloved in general (laughs) as as, uh probably the closest thing we've seen to like a paul newman (laughs) uh, james dean type guy on on your tv screen week to week with 90210 was
1: He was in an incredible movie where he was a bull rider. I forgot what the fuck it was called, but it was really <laughs> fucking fun.
0: Eight, eight seconds.
1: <laughs> Dude, great fucking movie.
0: It's been forever since I saw that. Now I'm gonna have to go Me rewatch too. it. If you've never seen Eight Seconds, everyone go watch it.
1: You totally uh, should have played Gambit, man. I don't even give a fuck if he had a French accent. You just uh, had quality of them.
0: <laughs> I would. There's got to be someone from Montreal they can get to play Gambit. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, but, but yeah, no. All, all kidding aside, I thought it was a great promo. Uh, I could get why this might upset people, and if it did upset you, I, you know, I, I get it, because not everyone wants that kind of shit in their wrestling. And I, like I said, with fucking uh brian danielson earlier sometimes bringing in real aspects it it works and sometimes it hurts the story so um if if it, if it if it if it upsets some people i could i could understand why you know there's a lot of luke perry fans out there my wife's one of them diehard luke perry fan um, and was very sad about his passing so, <Hispanics> so
1: don't, don't da
2: don't da <laughs>
1: anyways all right uh let's move on to a uh qualifier match for the hall atlantic championship real I can't quick see. laughing at that fucking name dude <laughs> in the pacific ocean
0: uh why does everyone always sleep on my boy steve on 90210 though steve's like one of the most fun characters Well, he had
1: a a successful, uh, you know, all the other guys, even Luke Perry kind of like died out. He was making those D movies for fucking Sharknado for years, man. (laughs) Making that money. And doing voice acting.
0: Uh, Next I just don't want to talk about this title at all. That's why I'm just like, let's talk about 90210. (laughs) All Atlantic in the Pacific
1: Ocean. Anyways, awesome match probably my second favorite match of this week besides the ray phoenix andrade match that was last night so we have penta obscuro versus Malachi black and i mean here's the thing i think that all of us kind of knew who was going to win because of everything like we said with the triple a situation cmll has an exclusive contract new japan new japan is adhering to cmml cml's um uh, basically asking them not to use AAA talent. Andrade, now Roosh, both of them who used to be big CMLL talent, and then also Pentagon, Phoenix, they excluded them um, because of that whole entire thing. So, you know, shit happens. I don't really know if it was AAA's fault it was more it was uh, CMLL's uh, problem with it, but they had a fucking great match. I mean, he got him with the black mass at the end, but... These guys work really well together. I was um, expecting Malachi to win, and he did. So Malachi is now part of the four-way along with Miro, the guy that replaced Ishii, because I forgot who the fuck he was. Um, Clayton Connors. Yeah, Clark Kent. Yep.
0: <laughs> Superman.
1: Who's the other person that's in this match? Um, it's Miro, Malachi Black. Clark Connors and one other person. Either way, Malachi or Miro are, are winning this. Um, if Clark, if, if Clark Kent Connors, John Connor uh, wins, I'm uh, probably gonna take a break for a little while. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't see him winning. I I think Miro is gonna win and then challenge God to a match.
2: <laughs> so.
0: God hasn't had a wrestling match
1: for a while, so. Yeah. <laughs> then he's going to challenge Vince McMahon to a match. <laughs> oh, it's Pac. That's the last one. I don't think
0: Pac's going to win. No, I feel like Pac and Malachi might take each other out, and then you get uh Mashka kick, and then whatever he's calling the uh, camel clutch, put on poor Clark Connors um, for the win. That would be my prediction of that match. But this uh, right. this match itself Was fucking awesome and uh, I really want Pentagon to get a shot at the AEW heavyweight title at some point Because god is he over With the crowd so Any he good. Has matches
1: Like I said man his crowd work How he how he just can make Gestures and like point at the fucking Crowd reminds me of Macho Man Randy Savage how he's just able to Control them just by like pointing At them and shit like he gets so much of a reaction out of the crowd. It's very impressive.
0: Oh, and he looked like a badass on Rampage too, coming out with the fucking shovel and the trench coat on, very sting vibes. Uh just re- versus his normal wrestling gear. He still had his lucha mask on, but he looked like a fucking badass uh coming down to save his his brother.
1: And dude, like I keep on saying, Roosh Andrade versus Pentagon Ray Phoenix will be some awesome tag lucha libre, what's for the best. In the business. Um, all right. So, next match, man. This is really fun. So, Adam Page or uh Adam Cole, I should say, baby, was on commentary. We had Hangman Page going against Silas Young. Really great seeing Silas show up. I love that they're in Milwaukee, which is his hometown, and everyone's cheering for him, and he's telling him to fuck off with his hands, like you know, get the fuck out of here. I love Silas Young. He just looks like a grizzled vet. He's still, I believe, in his 30s. But like someone like an Arn Anderson or or Bob Holly or a fucking Greg Valentine, he just looks grizzled already. Like he's been doing this shit for a while. And, uh, you know, they they did a really good job, at least with this. Not New Japan, but like Ring of Honor. Silas and him have had rivalries in the past. You know, they've fought each other many times. Adam Cole's putting him over a bunch because he's good friends with them. And they look great in this match, man. Silas and Adam Page, they have had matches, like they said, in the past. So they had a great dynamic. And, uh, you know, there was... I believe uh, Silas tried to do his, like, headstand and kind of fucked it up or something like that. But he's still really impressive. And then one of the more impressive things, I think, that he does... Which inevitably screwed him over was his uh, I don't know I don't even know what the fuck to call it but um, it's it's kind of similar to Rob Van Dam's uh, cross legged moonsault but he he basically positions himself jumps off the uh, the ropes after going up on the turnbuckle and then gives a kick he missed it and then that was it basically before uh, Adam Page came over and uh, gave him the buckshot lariat. And uh, after the match, you know, he is all excited. We have Adam come on the mic, uh, Adam Cole, I should say, uh, and kind of distract him while Jay White comes up behind him and they go and beat him down. There's a point where Adam Cole looked like he was going to take Jay White's IWGP belt and nail him in the back of the head. Because it's already been stated by Jay White, you know, Adam lost twice the fucking Hangman Page. Why the hell would he go against him? And still was not giving Hangman Page a match. So, you know, they're beaten down. Like, all of a sudden he gets caught. But, like, he's like, no, 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 let's attack Hangman. Like that's what I was doing, dude. Like, what 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 the fuck? So, (laughs) Jay White grabs Hangman Page and he's about to nail him and you hear coins drop bam Kazuchika okada dressed like i said i don't remember but it was like just normal like everyday wear runs out gets great pop from the audience definitely does and evens the score with uh what you call it uh, uh adam page and helps him out against adam cole and jay white who just recently lost the IWGP Championship 2. and even though Jay White said that he wouldn't give Okada a fucking rematch after he beat him, he wouldn't give uh, Adam Page because he didn't deserve it a rematch. And he wouldn't give or uh, a match, and he wouldn't give Adam Cole a match because he lost to Adam Page. Well, never mind, fuck that. And there's going to be a four-way match for the title. Right after we just talked about the All-Atlantic Championship being a four-way match for that title. With Kajuchika Okada, who I don't think I've ever seen, really, in multi-man matches. But uh, he'll be in this, and I don't know. Lackluster as fuck. That's what I'm talking about. Okada coming out by himself. If this was adam page and, and coming out every week and being like i don't give a fuck about the title that you lost it i want you okada keep on calling him out And that never happens and we're like as fans oh he might have to stay in japan because his wife's pregnant that's what's been said which is a very big possibility so no one thinks he's coming and then while is about to leave after he wins his match after calling out okada again finally okada's music hits in full either in a suit Or a full fucking outfit with a giant fucking jacket, and they come out and they just have a stare off and Okada goes, I'm going to beat you Sunday, or whatever. And that's it. Way better than this. I would have rather two singles matches have the leader of, uh, well, the the supposed leader, if you will, of the uh, undisputed elite go against the leader of the Bullet Club for the title. Who cares? And then have Adam Page going against Okada. But we're having a four-way instead, and I thought a lot of this was just dumb.
0: Chris! Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to agree with you. I mean, I would have rather just had a singles match between Adam Page and Okada, especially because this version of Adam Page, I think, is better than when he was in New Japan. I think he's grown a lot and has had some, been having some really damn good matches. And uh, now it's a four way match. And as you know, I'm not a big fan of three way matches or four way matches. I feel like it's just, it's a lot of shit. You got a bunch of great wrestlers in here. I'm sure it'll be good. Um, But I kind of agree with you. If Adam Page wanted Okada, he wanted Okada regardless of the title situation. If he was concerned with a title, he should be demanding his fucking rematch or the fact that he should be the interim champion since he's the one that dropped the belt for the AEW title, not for the. New Japan title, which he barely has any association with other than just wanting to face uh, the greatest wrestler in the world right now, which is Okada. Um, So, yeah, it's fine. And, you know, I'm assuming Jay White's going to retain here. I just don't see any other way around it. And the reason being is Okada's wife is about to have a baby and there's G1 coming up. And that might be their match for Wrestle Kingdom would be Jay White versus Okada during like when that comes down. So I could see Okada actually winning G One. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a little bit of a weird situation. The biggest part for me is you have this big. They definitely wanted the coin drop. They wanted that big pop. Uh, like I said beforehand, though, I think he would have gotten that same big pop, regardless if you had been showing video packages of him beforehand four weeks ago, letting people know that he's gonna be on the show for sure that you still would have got the same pop when he finally does show up. So
1: yeah, that was anyone least. anyone saying out there uh, on different podcasts that since the crowd reacted well to the situation that that meant that, you know, Wrestling fans know New Japan. I have to realize the people that buy fucking tickets for the crowd are your most diehard fans. So that's really not equivalented on the reasoning and doesn't give I don't know uh, much detail of how they could have done it better. Still, you know, it kind of just eh, flimsy reasoning to me. I
0: mean, I would I would say even people that are just like kind of into wrestling know who Okada is just by osmosis. Uh, especially if they're watching AEW because of Kenny Omega, right? I mean, those are three of the greatest matches of all time, him and Kenny. (laughs) So even if you're just a little in tune, you would know, you would probably know who Okada is more so than like Tanahashi, Uh, just because Uh, even as a casual AEW fan...
1: Even you said that just stating this has been, you know, Omega's biggest rival and he's beaten Omega, blah, 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 would have added to Okada for people that don't know him.
0: Right. They should have showed it. That's I, and, I, and I still think, I think you could have been showing this the fucking, as soon as you announced Forbidden Door, you could have been showing highlight packages of these guys. You still would have got the same pop when the music finally hit. I don't know why they were so... With Okada, I was writing it off to the fact that he didn't know whether or not he was going to be there because that's what we were hearing is, you know, his wife is super pregnant, uh, like towards the end of her pregnancy. Uh, So I just assumed that was the case, but apparently not. And uh, this match has been changed multiple times. It'll be a good match. There's a lot of good wrestlers in this match. I'm sure it'll be an amazing match not necessarily what I would have done and even if I was going to do it I would have promoted it harder. I know some of that plays into, you know, New Japan doesn't like to announce who their champion's going to be before that happens, but you yeah, could have at least highlighted it. I mean even someone like Jay White, they don't do a good job of showing you why you should care about Jay White. And he's been on the show for what he's been on the show random times for like the past 6 months.
1: Yeah, man. I don't get it like specifically with Okada, I mean This is the Tanahashi of his era. This is the fucking uh, Fujinami of his era. This is uh, the the Kento Kobashi of his era. This is who he always compares himself to, the Antonio Inoki of his era. And see him in street clothes just come out and save a guy that he's going to go against in a match for the title that he just lost. Uh, Like...
0: The only part of that that made sense, and they did a bad job of even saying like Jay White took the title off of him, and he's part of Bullet Club, and he fucking hates Bullet Club. Like, you know, boom. That's that's it. It's all he, It's like a five, <laughs> like a, a like a five to ten second synopsis of why he would make the save. The problem is, is he runs in to make the save, and fucking Jay and Adam Cole just stare at him for fucking three seconds before even making a move at him like they should have been jumping him and i think he was expecting that when he slid under the ropes as they were immediately going to start putting the boots to him they don't he he fucking starts firing back on them expecting like you know here's the baby face comeback but they never got the heat on him to begin with so like i don't know what the hell was going on with that and then fucking also cowboy was laying there forever waiting for something to happen so i don't know what miscommunication happened there but even with the coin drop and okada coming in the aftermath of it looked like shit yeah just kind of you know that's not okada so whoever the the people in the ring fuck that up because they like i said i'm assuming and this is how you would do it in any other situation the guys running in to make a save it's going to be two versus one for a while because hangman's laid out as soon as he slides in they should have been putting the fucking boots to him that doesn't happen. They just all, they're both kind of fucking standing there. Uh, and then he looks like he's going to throw, uh, I can't remember who's teeing off on, but he goes to throw them in a corner and there's just a, there was a lot of miscommunication happening. So hopefully they've really talked about what the hell they're doing tomorrow night. Cause the, 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 that whole thing seemed like they weren't on the same page, much like the Tanahashi, uh, stuff from last week. um, but hey, it's Okada. He's going to drag a fucking good match out of these guys, even if they're not on the same page. No, I agree. But
1: we're both, you know, if not our number one within our top three favorite wrestlers of, you know, the modern day is Okada. So we both just expect him to be treated to a certain level when it comes to AW and how he's introduced. So, uh, like you said, the whole thing really confusing, and there could have been a better way. Like I threw out there, just Adam Page coming out and setting up. Oh, well, we already have 10 matches on the pay per view. Well, if you got a chance to have fucking Jay White and Adam Cole in a match, and then also for the title, and then have Okada and Adam Page in a match, take one of the other fucking matches and tell them to go by. Sorry. Fuck off. Like, I don't. This the, Some of the reasoning with some of these wrestling fans that are all like, oh, no, we're just in it to win it no matter what. Okay. Well, I'm not like that at all. I'm going to judge it based on what I think of it. So maybe that's just me. But. I mean,
0: even if even if you thought that the booking, like even if you're a wrestling fan who is excited about this four-way match, there's no way that you can tell me the spot at the end of Dynamite was great. Like they get to send out anyone in that spot. And if they don't start kicking him, as soon as he goes through the ropes, that's just dumb heel shit. Like, Jay White and Adam Cole are supposed to be on the same page. They're just going to stare at the motherfucker? <laughs> like, sorry. I mean, that's just stupid. and ju- That's just bad in-ring work, in my opinion. But whatever. I, you know, that, that even goes past the debut of Okada or the build-up to the match or what matches are happening. That's just talking about the one segment and what occurred in that segment, which was a fucking clusterfuck for one of the biggest wrestlers in the goddamn wrestling business across the world, you would think everybody'd want to be on the same page and do something a little better with him sliding in the ring. Um, but you know, whatever, it's not going to matter. They're going to have a great match. It's just, it could have been done. Well, a little better.
1: Well, let me ask you this is Marina Shafir, the uh, Daniel Garcia of the uh, women's division. And what I mean by that is, We have a lot of fucking people on the roster, right? Both the women's and the fucking men's. But for some reason, we're getting them constantly. And what Marina Shafir doesn't have compared to Daniel Garcia is that Daniel might have as much personality as a grapefruit, but he's excellent in the ring. And Marina Shafir is uh, really fucking green. And even though she lost to Tony Storm and it kind of set up another moment where Nala Rose hit the ring, they start beating down. Tony Storm, Rosa comes out, Thunder Rosa comes out to save her, and you know drops her belt. And another time where Tony grabs the belt, number one contender, and hangs on to it a little bit longer than Thunder Rosa likes, hands it back to her. Uh, good set of business, except for the fact that like, I'm sorry, like <laughs> this was a really fucking messy match at certain times. And even if she was having great matches every single time. Do we have to see her every fucking week? There's not another woman that couldn't possibly have the spot. It just seems like, like I said, even if he's a great technical wrestler, she's becoming the female Daniel Garcia.
0: No, I mean I think that's a good comparison. Um Yeah, no, I agree. I don't I don't think I have much of a follow up. She has had some really good matches and some really bad matches. I've, Daniel Garcia has only been having good matches. I guess that would be the only only difference, like you said. Um, but is the idea that you're going to get Marina Shafir over? Because she should be winning some of these, you would think. She's, she's basically filling in for Layla Hirsch. This was like Layla Hirsch's spot until she got hurt, really, if you
2: think about it.
1: That's a a good person to point it at, honestly, as far as, like, who she's basically replacing on the uh, roster itself. And, uh, yeah, I can see that. It's still, like, I mean, Tony, if you have so many fucking wrestlers, just, like, kind of play with the fact that you can have, like, other people on besides the people that you put on constantly. But either way, it's more about Tony Storm having an excellent match with Thunder Rosa, which I'm looking forward to. Um also for everyone that thought that Thunder Rosa was like shooting on on, on Marina Shafir in their last match and you know trying to one up her, they addressed that on social media. Um, you know, taking pictures with, with uh Marina's kids and hanging out with Thunder Rosa. So once again, seems like everyone got worked. So
0: weird That happens
1: with wrestling fans.
0: So. I mean, I think they just probably haven't worked each other a lot and got out of sync. Shit happens. I don't know why. I don't. I didn't. I never even saw anything in that match that resembled a shoot. Like fucking people were
1: calling for Thunder Rosa's head and uh, fucking what's her name? Um, and I like her as a wrestler, but the one that started shooting on her that was in Lucha Underground, I forgot what her name is. Oh, Sexy Hopefully. sexy star. No, Ivelisse, uh start talking no. shit about Thunder Rosa and saying, like, I guess I wasn't wrong. Yep, you were. Sorry. Anyways, but um, get to the this main event. Was,
0: this definitely was not anything like uh, <laughs> Charlotte Flair and uh, Rock's or niece or cousin or whatever. I can't think of her. Naya. Like, that's what a shoot normally looks like. It looks like shit. So if something starts looking like complete shit for a long period of time and they look angry, that's usually when it's a shoot.
1: Um, I miss Nia Jax so much. Um, no, don't. No. Anyways, all right, let's go. Uh, last match, Chris Jericho, Lance Archer against John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, good tag match. I hate it, Chris. You can just tell. I mean, this has been like this for a while. I think uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi is starting to have those uh, Keiji Muto knees where you can just tell that everything's a bit more tender. Uh, I mean, he used to be one of the most fluid wrestlers, period. And you can just tell, obviously, he's getting older, which sucks. But I loved how uh, Moxley came out. And while he's going around the ring, immediately flicks off Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti um, before the whole entire thing starts. But, you know, Tanah- so basically at the end, Moxley saved Tanahashi, and he delivered a Sling Blade to Archer, um, and all four men lay on the mat, Ace recovered, and scored the victory over Lance Archer. After that, we had Eddie Kingston, Willi Yuta, Shota Yumino, which is, people don't know, uh, Red Shoes, referee's son, and also uh, Moxley's protege, uh, which was an awesome thing back in the day.
0: Moxley's adopted son,
1: <laughs> basically, and he and he had on a um, what what do they call him in Japan? John Moxley, the Knight Rider, Death Rider. Death he had a R- Death Rider yeah. t shirt on. I'm like, dude, I I fucking love uh, Shota. I love their relationship. Um,
0: That was such a fun, for those who aren't uh, dialed into the New Japan, but Moxley (laughs) just started harassing Red Shoes Kid and uh, essentially it was like Moxley's young boy when he was there, like showing him around town and stuff, and then they just started building this weird friendship relationship kind of thing. It's pretty fun. It great, man. I loved it. Definitely worth revisiting with Moxley, like grabbing him in headlocks and stuff and talking to him in the back. It, and actually, just more of a CZW type John Moxley than an AEW John Moxley, which is kind of a, a fun thing, too, from that time period in New Japan. Yep. Uh, agreed. Well, so after this,
1: everything goes down. Eddie Kingston, Willie Yuta, like I said, Soda Yumino. Uh, came out, Jericho Appreciation Society is out, uh, Minoru Suzuki starts making his presence felt, and people are just beating the living fuck out of each other, and that's basically how it went off the air. forgot to say that prior to the match, Sting and Darby Allen cut a promo and revealed that they would be teaming up with uh, LIJ's Shingo Takagi and Hiromu Takahashi uh, to go against the Young Bucks, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo. Should be great, but I still feel like this should have been staying in the corner of Darby Allen going against Hiromu Takahashi with Jushin Liger maybe in his corner, uh, or Keiji Muto, something like that, and just have the two of them just all of us say the Our father beforehand and hope they don't destroy each other, but have a great match instead. They're tagging together. I'm sure that will be a fun match. Uh, I, love L- I-, I love ELP. I love Hikaleo, Yum Bucks are great Sting, Darby you know uh, Takahashi, Shingo should be good but still that's what I would have done
0: I I like their uh, Sting's group is just randomly thrown together but they're all that's like a fun group like that's a match I have no problems with I'm actually excited for that the dudes with attitudes oh my
1: god man but seriously the dudes with attitude <laughs> Tony, dude. Uh,
0: shout out back to Diesel and Sean.
2: <laughs>
0: Essentially. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Yumano is teaming with Eddie Kingston. So I'm expecting on the pre show to get some kind of vignette with Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, and Yumino. <laughs> if I don't get that, then I will be mad. <laughs> right? Because isn't that, uh, isn't, Yumino's teaming with Kingston—that weird tag yep. match he's having against. Uh... So that's fun, but see, even that's a story they could have done a better job of telling on the show, right? No like, one knows who Yumino is.
1: Tell the story that he's basically Darby Allen is a sting. He is John Moxley. When Moxley was over in New Japan. You know, what I'm saying like that was his young boy, his protege.
0: And that's why he's uh, he's teaming with Kingston, because it's, you know, Moxley vouched for him. Like I said, that's one of those things that you could sum up in, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of why he's teaming with Eddie Kingston.
1: <laughs> All right, well, let's go into Rampage, go over these matches. I think this was personally match of the week. We had Andrade El Idolo going against Ray Phoenix. My God. I mean it started off with like a hurricane run off between the two of them. And just everything. Uh the I forgot the maneuver that Ray Phoenix did over the top rope to the outside and nailed Andrade in the shoulder, and he fucking sold his shoulder so much I really thought that he fucked it up. Uh, but these guys are absolutely ridiculous. They had a uh what is it? The uh three amigos, uh Three Amigo off, if you will, where Andrade started giving him the Three Amigos, and then Reef Phoenix, you know, came back and reversed it and gave him the Three Amigos and gave a little salute to Eddie. Chris Jericho on commentary, kind of just putting over Eddie, knows way more about him than anyone could because he was there for most of his career. And these guys killed it. Their managers got involved at one point, both of them. What what, what the hell did Tassie? I think it's like, oh, God, it's... A- a confrontation of the biggest nerds um <laughs> they started fighting at one point but then Roosh came out and uh fucked up Phoenix i think he gave him a low blow which would uh you know lead to the ending of the match where Andrade won and then afterwards uh, Pentagon came out like you said with a leather jacket and the shovel about to kill the two of them so now we're setting up Andrade and Roosh. Going against Pentagon and Phoenix, which should be fucking awesome. Hopefully Pentagon, it's not fun.
0: Pentagon's out here looking like Lucha Sting
2: coming out
0: with a fucking shovel and a trench coat on. It was awesome. Oh, uh, this is a great match. I this is my match of the week, unless we were counting things from Slammiversary, I guess, which was on Sunday. But if we're going Monday, just Saturday, then this was my match of the week. Um definitely worth a watch if you for those who missed rampage maybe because you're watching the stanley cup uh <laughs> it was it was worth a watch
1: absolutely um all right so next we had a match that was very interesting and look i'm seeing more tag teams than AEW with the women We better not be getting a women's tag division and a fucking uh, trios tag division soon in the future because that's so unnecessary and we don't have enough, especially with the women's to supply that. But either way, we saw Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez, uh, which both ladies have wondered where the fuck they've been, especially Mercedes Martinez. She's a ring of honor, uh, you know, women's uh, world champion. They went against Lainey, Luck, and Sierra, and they just beat the living fuck out of them. And by the end of it, you know, it was really cool. Serena Deeb did this um, Indian Death Lock. It was much like the figure eight. but It was an Indian Deathlock set up, and she, you know, did the bridge like the figure eight. But somehow, uh, Lainey, Luck, she had some luck on her side, and she got out of it. But at the end of it, they both had them tapping out in the middle of the ring. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's nothing to do with the women. It's just the fact that I don't think that they have really a women's tag division, and we don't need more belts. I already know we're getting those trios tag belts. I know they're coming. It's like, Jesus Christ, just chill out, Tony, but probably won't happen.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily think they need a women's tag division either. And the reason I say that is because there's three – big-time women's titles already like you have the tbs title people can go after you have the ring of honor title people can go after and you also have the AEW women's title you have three titles for your women's roster that you can have them actually you know fighting for on a weekly basis now if you're just saying we need to get more women on the show uh sure yeah i agree with that um I think, you know, a ring of honor show is going to help with that to some extent, but I don't like, like you were saying, I don't necessarily think you need a a set of tag titles because, you know, you're going to end up doing what WWE does, which is, we're just going to have to shove two random people together. Um, If this is to set up Serena Deeb's versus Martinez, and they're going to do some tag matches, and then that's going to be their big ring of honor feud going forward, then that, that, that could be kind of cool. I'm done with that. Um, I do just want to go back to that Ring of Honor show that uh, Willow and her had an absolutely incredible match. So I do want to see more of our Ring of Honor Women's Champion, uh, regardless of who she's facing. Yeah, I'm also
1: glad that it seems like Willow is a part of the mix right now because it kind of got set up with the baddies going against her. Um, Chris Zatlander and Amber Moon aka Athena so she's one of my favorite new uh, female wrestlers so I hope she stays over in AEW for a while
0: I don't know where Willow was wrestling and I don't know if you saw this or not it was recently this week but she went to bounce off the ropes somewhere and the ropes fucking exploded and she went ass over tea kettle luckily is okay but poked fun at herself on Twitter (laughs) she was like I hope my mom didn't see that uh, which is pretty funny. So that's out there for everyone to watch if you follow Willow on Twitter.
1: So we have the DKC, who is going against, I think, the Gun Club and the Acclaimed. Uh, he went against Hook, and Hook beat him fairly quickly. And uh, we're still doing that build up, but like I said, I don't care who they have to... All I want is something to happen backstage between Danhausen and Yano. But Giano's probably not coming to Japan just for an appearance, but I'm just saying that will be fucking hilarious.
2: <laughs>
0: it would be funny. Um, I'm surprised Hook is not gonna be on this New Japan show in any form or fashion. Cause there's some New Japan strong guys they could have put him in a pre-show match against and and had a competitive match uh yeah this was just another hook squash match though for the most part he still has absolute banger of a theme shout out to action bronson he does you
1: you. all right jeff cobb y'all don't even know jeff cobb going against cash wheeler obviously it's a part of the tag team match rapongi Going against uh, Grito Khan and Jeff Cobb, who are the IWGP tag team champions. Going against the Ring of Honor tag team champions, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. Winner takes all through way for this weekend. One of the matches I'm definitely looking forward to. But we had huh, um, arguably the better worker out of the two with Cash Wheeler. Going against Jeff Cobb, who is a fucking modern, you know, um, Dr. Death Steve Williams, basically. And uh, I thought the promos before were really good, because you're going against FTR, who Cash is doing most of it, but is coming in there too. And Jeff Cobb just ate him up. I feel like afterwards, and just like you didn't you didn't mention the fact that I'm Olympian, motherfucker, and kind of just went after him. I really really like Jeff Cobb, I always have. But these guys had a great fucking match. Um, and uh, I kind of saw this coming, but Cash got caught with he got out of it one time. Uh, but then he got caught with the tour, de- tour of the islands. Awesome fucking finisher. One two three. You have Great Khan just coming out to like support his partner, like walking slowly with the title, clapping for him. And Dax ain't having that shit. Comes fucking full force, nails him in the back of the head. And then you have the r- members of Aussie Open come out, and then you have Rapongi come out. Everyone's beating the shit out of each other. And then out of nowhere before we had a promo with Eddie Kingston that basically said that he wants to fucking drink Jericho's blood. And we go to (laughs) Excalibur, who's like running down whatever fucking promotion, uh, promotion style thing that's coming up that they have to go over. Chris Jericho looks just not happy the whole entire time. Finally cuts off Excalibur and is like, he's a, he's a sick piece of shit, you know, he wants, to, he wants to drink my blood. Blah, 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 blah. So they're all fucking commentating this brawl. Eddie Kingston comes out of nowhere, nails Chris Jericho in the back of the head, grabs a fucking pen, Abdul the Butcher style, and starts trying to stab Chris Jericho in the fucking head with it. Shit's going down. Everyone's fighting. Orange Cassidy's at out fucking fighting um uh whatchamacallit? Uh wool ospray. FTR's like going at it everyone's fucking just fighting and then eddie and fucking chris jericho start fighting in the audience uh eddie finally gets taken up by security jericho makes his way to the ring only to jump over see an old enemy in orange cassidy who comes over gives him a superman punch in the face then he gets kicked by trent Beretta, smacked by dax like jericho's not having a fucking good night and i sort of got eddie came out like four more times trying to stab him attack him biting his forehead, just annihilating him while everyone's fucking just beating the shit out of each other. The stuff that happened on Dynamite was very contrived. This actually was much better. This reminded me of Raw going off the air. The other one reminded me of WCW going off the air. And there's a big difference when it comes to brawling to end a show. So thought all this was fucking great. Chris, what do you think?
0: It was X Caliber was like he took my pen, and the next thing you know, like <laughs> Kingston's trying to stab Jericho in the eye with it. They, they, they had
1: um uh, Caprice Coleman on there. He's like he is stabbing him in the forehead with the
0: pen. <laughs> oh my god, dude! <sighs> I want more Caprice Coleman on commentary. I think he's fucking hilarious. Um, Ian,
1: man, they're so good. If they're doing something Ring of Honor, they need to bring them back. Period.
0: And it seems like they're going to, right? Like they've definitely so. tried to keep them in the fold. So I, I hope so. Cause they were awesome on that ring of honor pay-per-view. Um, they cracked me up much like Excalibur and Taz. I would be completely fine. If rampage was just Excalibur and Taz on commentary uh, to, to just be completely honest. Cause I think those two guys, they have like chemistry, especially if you watch any of the dark stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, this was uh this was a good brawl and all of these people were in matches against each other and that's good storytelling leading into the pay-per-view and jericho and kingston they got this long-running feud so that made sense and it went all over the place the crowd lost their shit when pixies hit though i will say that so even though we kind of have been not necessarily the most excited for will Ospreay versus orange cassie the fans in this building We're really fucking excited when Orange Cassidy came out. Um, And I love the attitude of Orange Cassidy because he
1: literally came out, took off his fucking jean jacket, threw it in Will Osprey's face and ran up to him and started just nailing him. Like just giving a melee. So it was actually like, all right, Orange Cassidy's fucking throwing down. I like that.
0: Yeah, I like that he did that in the match he had on Dynamite, too. He teased doing the pockets thing and was like, no, this is fucking serious. So um, at least he knows the importance of who Will Ospreay is and the fact that he's, I don't think he's going to do any of his um, gimmick. It seems like he's taking it serious, which would be a fun way for him to take that character. We've kind of talked about it in the past. Like Orange Cassidy turning heel and teasing that stuff and not doing any of it anymore would be like, maybe a cool way to go with him as a character in the future so if this works out for him really well then uh that could be that could be something really fun orange Cassidy's good in the ring i know they're gonna have a good match um but it's good that he's at least showing like i'm not gonna show up and do silly shit it's gonna be more like when he was really pissed at jericho that kind of seems like the uh the route they're going Though, you know, if it was me and I could have it my way, I would have, you know, him, Dan Housen, and Yano <laughs> in a match on the pre-show. Because it's going to be goofy. Might as well make it as goofy as possible. All right. Well, um,
1: having a problem with the uh, website I had pulled up. and. Uh, Going over this card for Sunday. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Top. Uh,
0: who is it that Yano always randomly beats in the G1? Is it Minoru Suzuki or Ishii? Yeah, I, can't, I can't remember. He always gets two random wins just because they don't know how to deal with him. <laughs> and his goofiness. Uh it does make me sad that we're not going to get any Yano on this. So, uh, Yano versus Danhausen or just some tag match with you know Yano and someone versus Danhausen and Hook I think is something that they missed out on at least for like a 4 or 5 minute pre-show match or something.
1: Yeah, cuz Yano could totally team with someone to go against two of them. Um
2: Right. right,
0: and New Japan wouldn't give a shit if they lost. They'd just be like, "It's yano." <laughs> this
1: website's not working. Let's see if we can get this one too. All I need is a matchers, guys. All right, so let's get in this pay per view and give our, uh, you know, our thoughts on the AEW New Japan lineup that we have. Let's start with the pre-show. We have Austin Gunn. Uh, badass Billy Gunn, Colton Gunn, and Max Caster going against the LA Dojo. Alex Coughlin, uh, Yuya Yuamura, uh, Kevin Knight, and the DKC, who just lost, like we talked about, against... Um oh, what's his name? Man, my my uh, mind is playing tricks on me. Danhausen's tag partner. Huck. He just lost a hook.
2: Yeah. So who yeah, do you yeah.
1: have in the man tag match? Do you got uh, the gun ass boy Elite, or uh, whatever the fuck club or the L.A. dojo? Uh,
0: I got the ass boys on this one. We're gonna go with the ass boys or whatever their synonym for. I mean, they're the ass boys plus something else. So, team scissors. That's who I got winning this one
1: scissor me daddy all right next pre-show we have the factory cutane marshall and aaron solo going against chaos hiroki goto and yoshihashi um wow i can't believe I'm about to say this i hope the factory wins because i really don't like yoshihashi
0: <laughs> i think chaos is gonna win this one um but yeah i i, I know you don't like yoshihashi <laughs>
1: All right, we have uh, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, Swerve in Our Glory, going against uh, Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, and Kanamura. Intact team match, I'm assuming Swerve in Our Glory wins, but there is a little bit of uh, a disagreement afterwards because of what happened in the past with Swerve and Keith Lee.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you as well. I do like kind of where they're going with uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott and and Keith Lee, especially like Swerve's trying to use big intelligent words like how Keith Lee talks (laughs) in the promos. We didn't talk about that last uh, from this week's shows, but that was pretty fun. (laughs) They're like, we're getting there like as a team. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have them win here.
1: All right, once again, I have no clue if this is the actual order, but we're going to go over the matches for the main show. So the first first one listed on Wikipedia, we have Zack Sabre Jr. going against... To be announced! I'm going to assume, like many, this is Cesaro going against Zack Sabre. I still love your idea with uh, it being Filthy Tom Lawler, but... um. I, I would, if it is Cesaro, let's just say the, the the top two. Gargano, I could see Zack Sabre Jr. beating. Cesaro, I feel like has to go over Zack Sabre Jr. So I'll just put it that way. Well, if it's Filthy Tom, actually, then I have no idea. But those other two, that's what I think.
0: Yeah, if it's Filthy Tom, I think that he can eat the loss. That's one of the reasons I put him there because you can keep Zack Sabre Jr. strong headed into the G1 um, if, he, if, if they if they want to go that route with New Japan being part of the booking for this show. Uh, like you said, if it's Cesaro or Claudio, I should say, uh, I would assume that Claudio is going to get the win here. Just because he's de- he's a big debuting star. You don't want him to lose right off the bat, I wouldn't think, but They've done weirder shit in AEW, so who knows?
1: All right, the next match we have listed on here, Bullet Club, which consists of El Phantasmo, Hickleio, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson going against (laughs) the dudes with Attitude, Darby Allen, Sting, Shingo Takagi, and Horomu Takahashi. I think Darby Allen and Horomu Takahashi are going to try to outdo uh each other and really stupid things that you could possibly do in a match. Um not not stupid as in doesn't look, you know, good, but stuff you should not do to your body. But anyways, uh, regardless, I think
0: dudes with attitude win. I agree with you. I think Sting puts fucking Nick Jackson in a short or a stinger deathlock and that's the match. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a spot where all of Bullet Club's in the Stinger Deathlock at the same time. (laughs) So um, I think this one's just fun for the fans, and and Japan also has a lot of respect for Sting, so it it would make sense for them to pick up a win Win here. And I do think the bigger stars are on the Dudes with Attitudes uh, team with uh, Takahashi and and Shingo both being on that side, which probably helps Darby Allen to actually get a win on a pay-per-view. This will be <laughs> first time in a while. Chris, really quick, uh,
1: what is the name of the organization that uh, Bushi Road owns? That's the top uh, women's uh, Japan Japanese uh, based wrestling.
0: That would be Stardom, and I'm really disappointed with we're not getting uh, Mayu Iwatami or Carrie Zane on this pay per view. It would have been nice to see. Maybe some involvement, even if it was a multi-women's match or, or something with stardom, because uh, there's some great fucking talent there. And I feel like maybe they missed the boat. And some of like, uh, you know, some of the wrestlers that are on the AEW roster have worked there previously. Um, who who's in? I'm trying to think of her name, and I'm it's it's slipping on me right now that that is in Br- uh, Britt Baker's corner. Jamie Hayter, she's been there before. Um, Tony
1: Storm, Mercedes Martinez, both past champions.
0: Yeah, it seems like there would have been a way to do some kind of cool match with AEW versus Stardom. Um, But that didn't come to fruition, so unfortunate.
1: Well, regardless, the next match that we have is for the Women's uh, AEW uh, Championships. And it's going to be Thunder Rosa, the champion, going against Tony Storm, who has a long career with Stardom Wrestling. So, uh, I guess I guess that's all we can say about that. She is the uh, World of Stardom champion one time. Um, Cinder- she won the Cinderella tournament over in Stardom, um, and she's the MVP for 2017. And she's the SWA World Champion, so won both uh, the the smaller title and the main title. So I guess maybe that's what they're trying to do, Chris. But Thunder Rosa should win this. I don't, I don't know why you take it off for already.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think you can put it on Tony Storm down the line if you want to, but it's I don't think this is the time to pull the trigger on that. Tony Storm has gotten better each week. She's like regaining confidence in the ring. Um, Cause when she first came in, in comparison to where she was in 2017, 2018 uh, coming into AW was like, man, Tony storm does not look like the same Tony storm. I remember, um, but she's gotten better week, week to week. So I, I think this batch is going to be really good. I don't know that I would take it off thunder Rosa yet because I feel like that she's a big fan favorite. and. Um, Right now, probably one of, if not my favorite female wrestlers in the world. I think that she's, mm-hmm. she's got a cool look. She's been having really good matches with pretty much everyone except any anyone that's not named Marina. She's been having great matches with, so um, I wouldn't I wouldn't pull the trigger on taking it off, especially not on like a New Japan AEW pay per view. If you're gonna do it, save it for one of your pay per views down the line. Agreed. Um, All right, so this next match,
1: we have FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood, who are the Ring of Honor champions, uh, tag team champions. That is on the line, also the AAA tag team champions. Going against United Empire, Great Khan and Jeff Cobb, the IWGP tag team champions on the line. And Rapongi Vice, Beretta, and Rocky Romero. This is a winner takes all. The winner gets the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships and the IWGP Tag Team Championship. I'll just say this. (laughs) Because of the team that I'm not saying, watch them win it with uh, the United Empire, but I feel like either FTR is going to be traveling a lot and they're going to have Mexico's top titles, Ring of Honor's top titles, and also Japan's top titles, or. Since they can work easily with both groups, Rapongi Vice is going to somehow win this match because, like I said, they could work with Ring of Honor, AEW, whatever, and also easily with Japan uh, since it's Rock Romero and Tremperetto. So I want FTR to win, but I actually kind of expect Roppongi to somehow win this because they're safe.
0: I think this will be a really awesome match. Could potentially be match of the night just based on the tag teams that are in there. Uh, I'm gonna go with FTR is gonna win this thing, just because it doesn't seem like they have any plans in the immediate future for them to be going against the Bucks, um, which is where this is will eventually lead. So I wonder if it's gonna, you know, be a thing at Wrestle Kingdom down the line uh, between these guys. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with FTR. They're going to do the Nashville show, then they're headed off to Japan for a while.
1: There you go. All right, we have for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, Will Ospreay going against Orange Cassidy. Will Ospreay needs to win this. He just got the fucking belt. He does not need to lose to Orange Cassidy. I will be kinda I hope they have a great match, but I'll be severely aggravated if he beats him. I didn't need Orange Cassidy beating Adam Cole. And I don't think that Adam Cole has been able, besides other reasons, but really been able to get himself out of that fucking thing. I don't want him beating Will Ospreay and gain this title. I think that'll be stupid.
0: I think if Red Shoes is going to be one of the referees, I feel like that we could have a situation where Will Ospreay gets kind of screwed over to lose. And the only reason I say that is because the plan was never for Will Ospreay to be the U S champion. It was supposed to be on juice and you will Ospreay is someone that I would have penciled in to potentially win the G one. So he doesn't necessarily need the belt. Um, It really just depends on what New Japan wants to do on this one. But uh, I I could see this one going either way. I do think it's going to be a good match.
1: Next, we have uh, a six-man tag team match. The winner uh, receives the advantage for Blood and Guts. But we have Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki with Miss Taikanti in their corner. Going against Eddie Kingston, Willa Yuta, and Shota Umano. Uh, Like we said, the protege for John Moxley. And um, I want Kingston to fucking elbow Chris Jericho in the face and knock his ass out and get a pin on him. That's what I want. Don't think that will happen, but that's what I'm going with.
0: So we kind of cut out. Which mentor are we talking about, Dane? Sorry. Apologies.
1: Uh, It's Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki with Ty Conti in their corner. Against Eddie Kingston, Willa Yuta, and Shota Umino, uh, John Moxley's little protege from Japan, Retsu Son, and the winner receives the uh, main advantage for Blood and Guts. And I said, I hope that Eddie Kingston does his back elbow to Chris Jericho or his uh, back fist to Chris Jericho and beats him. One, two, three.
0: I'm gonna go with Jericho winning his team winning here and the only reason i say that is it's always better when the heel team starts with the man advantage at a war games match and and that's really the only reason but i i agree with you i'd rather kingston pick up a win it's just when you're booking like a war games type match it's always weird when the baby faces start off with a two versus one advantage it's
1: a good point better storyline All right, next we have for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, Puck, Miro, Malachi Black, Clark Connors? Um, The only two people that I can see winning this is Malachi or Miro, and I'm actually edging towards Miro winning this.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think Miro is going to win this, and uh, I don't know where they're going to go with this belt, if this is just like something that's never going to be defended or only defended at forbidden door-type international pay-per-views. I think this might be one of those things where they're going to look at how well this pay-per-view does and see if they can do it a couple times a year, not just once a year. Um and then, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this works out well if they don't do something where one of the Knights of Wrestle Kingdom is a crossover. So if the belt is only really defended there, it's probably fine. But I would rather Miro be in the main title picture, if I'm being completely honest. The only reason I wouldn't pick Malachi to win here is just because if, if by everyone's talking about, and and we've been talking about even today, there's going to be a trios title and I feel like they're going to be right up there to win those. If not the first ones to win the trios titles.
1: That's a good point. All right. Um, let's go on to the four way for the IWGP world heavyweight championship champion. Jay White goes against Kazuchika Okada, the last champion hangman page the last AEW champion and Adam Cole, uh, the Owen Hart tournament winner. Um, I think I already said this. I think that Jay White should probably win this. If anyone is to beat him, and I don't really understand why they booked it this way, it would be Okada. But, so I'm picking Jay White. Okada is a very much a second choice. I will say that if Hangman Page or Adam Cole somehow beats the other two, or the other three, I should say, and wins the title, that changes my outlook on the last match. I just don't see that happening. I'm pretty sure Jay White's going to retain this probably through fuckery.
0: Yeah, there's a good chance of fuckery happening here. Um, but, I mean, that I think that could be all parties involved. Maybe, maybe we get the return of Kenny Omega here to help out uh, Adam Page. Maybe he's fucking sick of the uh, undisputed elite. Uh, maybe, maybe Orange Casty makes a run in since he's like basically part of Kazuchiko Okada's group. <laughs> uh, I feel like this match is going to be one of those weird ones where there is a lot of weird fuckery and it's a four way match and, um, Depending on who the ref is, this thing can get out of control really fast. But like you said, there's only two people I could really see winning this because it is the IWGP title, and they're going to want that on their product during the G1, so it's either going to be Okada or Jay White. And uh, if I, I just honestly don't think Okada's going to win it because he's going to be, I would think, he's going to at least take a month off once his child's born. <laughs> But Okada's also fucking built differently. He'll probably just have wrestling matches with his child strapped onto him in one of those little, like, man carrying things. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about?
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: little baby carriers. He <laughs> so teaches the baby how to do a Rainmaker super early. Um, no, but yeah, I, I think Jay White's probably going to return. And, and like you said, it, it this match could lend itself to a lot of, like, surprise fuckery appearances.
1: This is definitely one of the matches, including the last one before we get into it, where I could see Omega, for instance, coming out, either getting involved in the match like you suggested, or even at the end, uh, whether Jay White wins or Okada wins, or maybe it's still positioned if Okada loses and Jay White leaves. Kenny Omega just coming out, getting face-to-face with Okada and being like, I will be seeing you once I'm fine, or whatever. Something like that so i could definitely see kenny omega specifically for this making some type of appearance
0: yeah and i think that makes a lot of sense because they're not gonna have to immediately follow it up with a match even if you give the fans kind of what they want to see which is you know okada and omega we've been clamoring for it since since the last one because their matches are so fucking good but uh yeah i could i could definitely see something like that
1: all right, this last match,
0: I feel like, and I'm predicting right
1: now, the first thing we'll hear is uh, Cult of Personality. Uh, CM Punk will join the commentary team to evaluate this match between whoever he's going to go against when he comes back. I think there's a really good possibility for that. John Moxley should win because Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to the G1 tournament. But like I said, If Hangman Page or Adam Cole somehow wins, I feel like there's a good chance Tanahashi will win so they can trade, have the titles presented on the opposite products for a while, and then go from there. And Tanahashi would add great to Lineage. But hey, Jon Moxley's already won it. Him and fucking CM Punk sounds like an awesome match. We already know that uh, Tanahashi threw out a match against uh, CM Punk if he's ready for Wrestle Kingdom. So we're going to get that regardless, it seems. So I expect John Moxley to win. But regardless, I feel like CM Punk will leave the commentary and bring his title and put it in the face of the new champion, interim champion. And they will go face to face to kind of build towards whenever the fuck that happens. So what do you think, Chris?
2: Oh, I'm
0: a little more torn on this because this is an interim title, so it doesn't really matter if Tanahashi wins or not. Um, I'm going to go bold prediction on this one, Dane. Time limit draw, Tanahashi wins by points. And takes the interim title back, and then Punk will come and beat Tanahashi to reunite the titles once his broken foot's tilt up.
1: Well, there you have it. Those are our predictions for the show that we're recording on Saturday. That will be out tomorrow night. That we'll be watching for AW Forbidden Door. So let's uh, end this show. And thank you guys so much for listening. Um, appreciate it every time you guys decide to jump on this podcast. If you're new, whether you're listening on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever, uh, just give us a thumbs up, subscribe. We'd really appreciate that. We'd love having people a part of our whole entire group over at Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, like always, I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brotherway Patton. Uh, give any tags, uh, you
0: know, previews to shows, and say goodbye to all the lovely people. As always, goodbye, lovely people. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. If you want to talk to me about uh, anything wrestling-related or hockey-related or Dale Hull, any kind of sports-related, honestly, you can hit me at, at ChrisRPatton on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram, Christopher.R.Patton. And I uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. And if I'm completely wrong on my predictions, please, uh, please make sure to comment <laughs> and let me know how I
2: suck so bad.
1: And if you want to let me know how much I suck so bad, find me at Dane Alves on both Instagram and Facebook, and Dane Alves42 on Twitter. Let's have a conversation. Part of the Wrestling Geeks Alliance Nation. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, you guys out there, have a great evening, day, whatever. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. And as always, peace out.